podcast where I give the normal starting spiel. I forget how it goes because I've skipped it the last few weeks. Uh, we play RPGs most of the time. Sometimes we play other things. I'm your host. My name is Brian Vitale. Joining me, the usual crew is here. I've got Josh Torres. Video games are back in 2024. Adam Vitale. Hello. Uh, James Galizio. Hey. And Chow Min Wu. How's it going? So, it is the first podcast recording in February, and I'm not sure in the, how long we've been, have we been doing this, guys? Like, three years? A long time. Obviously, there's like the proto-era Tetracast as well. Proto-era. But in the, yeah, in the time that we've been doing this, pretty much weekly for years, I'm not sure we've had a podcast where I knew what was going to take as much of the runtime as this one, because, of course, this podcast, we were going to focus on two very key things. We had the back-to-back, very topical release of Grand Blue Fantasy Relink and Persona 3 Reload. I don't know how anyone could manage to play both of these games in parallel at the same time, but Chow is that dude. He has marathoned both of these games and has played a ton of them. We have the, of man, course, we have the have myth, a- the legend, right here. He survived. Yeah. He, he 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 like he should get a shirt that says, that, that says "I survived Grand Blue Relink and Persona 3. I'm currently surviving. <laughs> <laughs> Still trying to make it through the end. I, I'm not at the finish line yet, guys. Well, on either game. <laughs> But yes, uh, so Grand Blue Fantasy Relink officially released on February 1st. Of course, those on PlayStation could have early access uh, if they ponied up for it. And then it also released on PC day and date. And then, or not day and date, but on the first. And then Persona 3 Reload released everywhere. Did Persona 3 Reload have an early access period? Or no? I don't think it did. I don't think it, I don't it think didn't, it did. which, which I kind of <laughs> am surprised about that, because like uh, Sega's done a ton of uh, early access uh, releases it did, in their it, games. They didn't do that Infinite Wealth either. Because huh. I remember yeah. like I used to blame Atlas for that, and then it's like, oh yeah, out of these two games that were released on consecutive days, Atlas's game was the one that didn't have an early access period. But yes, two very big games for the site, two games that are squarely within our interests. Um, So let me tee up, I'm going to tee up conversations on both of these games. And then when we go into the meat of the discussion, we're going to be talking about Grand Blue Fantasy Relink first. I believe four of us here have put some time into that, some more than others, everyone except Adam. And then for uh, Persona 3 Reload, because of scheduling i think chow is the only person on this recording at this time that's put time into reload though i think other people have it uh on their docket but just to tee up the conversation a little bit for grand blue fantasy relink who here has played the mobile game i did i'm I not very i very lightly did i have done everything i've even killed the hexadragons so i have everything you can <laughs> imagine <laughs> chow's like hell yeah i play this game all right, so uh, Josh, myself, James, and Chow have all played Relink. Chow has exhausted the mobile game. Josh has also played it. And then for Persona 3 Reload, Chow is playing Reload. Who here has played any previous incarnation of Persona 3? Uh, I, I have I, played all of them. Yeah, except I played all for, of them. I think it's all of I us. I can't say you? I finished the MC in the portable version. That's about it. But I have played every. I, yeah, I, play, I played the original PS2 version. I played Fest. I played. Portable, yeah, I played portable. I'm trying to do. I remember if I did, um, yeah, uh, I did female MC route. 
portable. But I don't know if I did male. Yeah, I never did uh, male MC uh, portable. I, I, I did female MC, but male portable? No, never tried I, that. I watched the the movies, the Persona Three movies. Those are cool. Um, I forgot about those. There's there's a trio of them, right? Yeah. No, no. There's four. Is there four of them? I forgot. There's four. There's four. Because there's one for each season, I believe. So I think it's four. There's a handful of them. I think I only yeah. watched like the second movie, which takes place in the summer one. I think. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, they're not I... the best. They're like very. <laughs> I mean, they're they're kind of like a a short summary of like what Persona Three is all about. It's like kind of like the story moments and not the day to day. Obviously, it makes it uh, very confusing. It, I yeah, I, it it but it's like it's the the production value is like nice. It's it's not it's not like for first time fans. I think, it's... but and there's some cool music tracks. And then I'm trying to think if there was anything else. There was that Persona Trinity Soul anime. Yeah, nobody, nobody wants to remember that. Akihiko lost I, his Persona powers in that for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I, I watched that. I still remember that. I'm the only person in the world that remembers that. That's the fact. Hey, I, I remember Akihiko. Does that count? <laughs> okay, fine. I have kind of a silly, a very small tangent story. So when I was a high schooler, I bought Persona 3, I believe it was the FES version for PlayStation 2, because it had good word of mouth, and uh, I was living with Adam at the time, he's my brother, that's why we had the same last name, and I tried playing it, and I bounced off it super hard. I, I, I put maybe that, two yeah. hours, mm-hmm. I put like two hours into it, and I was I was playing, I think, when did FES come out, like 07, 06? Persona 4 was 08. Yeah, and so I, I at the time, I was playing like, Final Fantasy twelve, mm. uh, Lost Odyssey, maybe uh, like it was around that time. It's the the years are foggy, and I bounced off it so hard because it wasn't a traditional JRPG in in, in my mind, in high school or, or early college Brian mind. Um, and then I bounced off it so hard. Adam, did you end up playing that copy, or did you return to it years later? I'm trying to remember. I think I think we sold playing. that copy, and I we ended up buying a different copy. But like, let's try it again. Wow. Nice. <laughs> I have the opposite experience. I hated Final Fantasy XII so much, and I'm like, I'm gonna try whatever this Persona crap is, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm addicted to this. Oh. Was Persona 3 your first Persona game? Was anyone uh, here, was Persona my, my, 3 not their first Persona game? Uh, my cousin lent me Persona 2, which is internal punishment, and he said, you gotta try this, this is amazing, and I couldn't figure out what to do within the first hour, and they gave up. I, so I kind of left that. Her- Persona 3 wasn't my first Persona. My first Persona game was Revelations Persona. Yes. Ooh, I, huh. I saw my cousin playing that, like the English version with all the localization uh, uh, yeah, changes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I just played it without any background knowledge on that. I'm like, this is kind of a, a weird, somewhat kind of grindy RPG. I don't know if I jive with it, but, the, but demons are cool. Um, so, I mean, it's but Persona 3 is like, it was an interesting one because I was actually like a Persona fan. Like I already knew Persona before like three years ago. So they revealed there. I'm like, there's a really, really big change from what I thought Persona, like what I know of Persona at the time. So and then like of course when they like showed off like the opening and kind of like kind of the almost like jail theming. Oh no, that's Persona Five is the jail theme. The the Persona Three one is like in the opening anime opening of it is like you have some weird like motifs of like mortality. Uh, in it, this is really weird because they have like the JoJo stand, uh, uh, like theming around it. It's really weird. Now, but, I did eventually, uh, especially when Persona Four came out on Vita, I played that game to death. I put I put like two hundred hours. I did like two very thorough playthroughs. Uh, got I think I got the platinum trophy. But so that that is my main Persona experience. I still have 
I still have five on my Steam Deck to play eventually when I can when I when I learn the ability to freeze time, I will play Persona Five. But yeah, anyways, I think, I think the thing about... the, the thing that really like stuck out to me on Persona Three when it was revealed is like the obviously the calendar system, the day to day thing was like, oh, that's really interesting. But also like the like the battle UI of having the 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 people's portraits and their health bars like at the side at, to the right, which is something you really didn't see in RPGs that often of like where your the positioning of where like your stats were on the battle menu. It's usually like down at the bottom, sometimes at the top, but it's never really, you know, at the side in that format. Um, mm. Just really, it really stuck out to me. I, I didn't think that stand out to me was that your party members wasn't controllable. Like I was playing it for the first time, oh, yeah, and like yeah. what the hell? I was like, why can't I control them? And you're like, oh, that's how the game was designed, and it is. It's it's actually, you know, it's people say it's too easy once you can control your party members, and the party members are not stupid. You just need to tell them what to do. And they do what you exactly what you want them to do. So and it's how the game was designed, you know. I always mm-hmm. felt that the Mitsuru doing Marin Karin, yes, it happened sometimes, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's kind of working around then, right? Because people are so uh, people still and, and were like so used to like having direct control over like every every single party member, like you know, ever since you know Nintendo era. Mm. It's not it's not too but... unusual. We'll table the talk on Persona unless people want to talk about it first. But I had earmarked that we're going to be talking about Grand Blue first, just because four out of the five of us have been playing Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. And as I discussed earlier, Chow is an expert of the mobile game. Josh has played it. So by process of elimination, that means that for me and James, as well, our reviewer for this game on the website, Paul, I don't think he's played the mobile game, but I I don't know that for certain, but that he he writes his review as if he's a newcomer to the IP. But yeah, Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, a console style action RPG from Side Games Osaka, built as kind of so. This is where my ignorance of the mobile games kind of come in. Is is this the retelling of a certain arc in the mobile game, uh, no, Chow, is or is this like a new? Okay, but it's the the way that this story is presented in Relink, just to frame what this game is, is that. And Paul's review covers this as well, is that it's a story, which I actually kind of enjoy this on principle. It's a story where it's not from ground zero. The characters already know each other. They've already had a history. They reference past events, which presumably are events from the mobile game. They talk about Tiamat and a few other things. Uh, So you're kind of as a witness to a group of adventurers who have already kind of done the chapter one of their story. And this is kind of in media res, so to speak. Um, and of course, this is the first, this is not a gotcha game. This is not a free to play game. It's a premium quote unquote experience action RPG. Uh, it's been compared to several games. And we'll go through a few of those comparisons as we talk about the mechanics here. But uh, Chow, I'll go ahead and open it up with you as the, how many hours do you have at Grand Blue uh, Mobile? Can you even count that sort of thing in hours? Okay. Uh, what well, was your experience with Grand Blue Fantasy Relink? Uh, I, I, this is like what I want a Final Fantasy game to be. So to me, this is like, I wish Final Fantasy 16 was half as good as Relink. That's my opinion. I know that's a little insulting to, to use other game as a comparison, but this is almost like a dream come true playing a game like this, in my opinion. That's how highly I think of Relink so far. Mm. Yeah, I... I, I... Yeah, I guess you're coming from for sure. This is a really highly polished, very, very responsive action game that has a variety of fighting styles and characters. Like they all play from. unique, so it feels really good. 
Mm -hmm. I I haven't found like one character that they felt like a clone of each other so far. No, no, that that does that like the, the closest you have to a clone is your selectable main character, which has just toggleable at any time between Gret and Gina. But yeah. that's about it. Yeah, they're just animation swaps, right? Yeah, but, pretty much. But, but yeah, like I, I enjoy this game a lot. Like I, I just don't know like how much staying power it has because if you know if you try to wait for yourself, will you even have multiplayer friends to play with, you know, at that point? Right? I don't know. This game is quite uh exploded on at least I assume the PlayStation numbers are equally strong, but on Steam this game has done surprisingly well. Uh, there's been a lot of people have been making... So this game's been out, you know, on all platforms for a few days now at the time of recording. I think the last time I saw it, it's, uh, we're recording this, you know, middle day on a Saturday, Western Hemisphere, and it was at over 100,000 top consecutive players, which is basically exceeding any JRPG series on the platform, except if you count Dark Souls like three or Elden Ring as a JRPG, but it's above Tales of Arise. It's above Final Fantasy 15. Uh, it's basically maybe the comparisons themselves aren't as important. Just Grand Blue Fantasy Relink is doing, at least to my estimation, extremely well. Uh, and I think the multiplayer focus has something to do with that. It's it's had a lot of pre-release comparisons to Monster Hunter. Uh, I think that I think a lot of those comparisons are are mostly apt, with a few caveats. Um, but I could, I could see this game having a lot of staring power, especially for how the game is formatted in terms of how it presents the story and what's unlocked after the fact, but to, to tee it up a bit. So the, the game opens up and I'm saying this from someone who has very, very limited experience, uh, with Grand Blue and I don't really know the story at all. So a lot of that ignorance will come through when I describe it, but you start out with a crew of about five or six skyfarers um and they are heading to a new continent in this sky archipelago called the zagrag zagragande archipelago <laughs> uh and basically as you meet these characters such as uh catalina gran or Gita, um uh what's the what's the pilot's name i don't remember his name uh, Rackham. Yeah, Rackham. And the mobile and, game, the way, people I, use him as a suicide bomber, so he gets killed, so he could bring someone from the back line. That's what people do. This is the sort of stuff that Chow can impart onto the discussion that I can't. And uh, people has and, an emote of like a suicidal Rackham. It's like, Rackham, no! Or something like that. They used, they used to spam that in the mobile game a lot. No, but yeah, and, that's Rackham. And then the, uh, the other two main uh, characters are EO and... Um, Rosetta, Rosetta, yeah, Rosetta too. So yeah. those six or seven characters, plus Lyria, who is an unnamed character, and Vern, who is like your dragon mascot, I suppose. That's the main cast. Now, of course, if you've been following Relink at all, um, Psy Games has been announcing the cast at a regular pace for about two years now. So we won't go through the whole cast here. Of course, we'll talk about which characters have been our favorite to play as, but the ones that we rattled off are the ones that really interface with the main story. Uh, and then the other ones are side characters. You get kind of their individual character episodes that kind of talk about where they come from. There's a few characters that are introduced throughout the story. So there's a large cast in general, but the, the people that I mentioned are kind of like your nucleus. And... Uh, the characters are traveling to this archipelago, and this is where I'm a little bit unclear. It's because it's in media res. It seems like it's at the request, I hope I get this right, of Gran or Gita's father wanted them to go to this place. Do I have that right? Yeah. 
they actually want to search for their father, and that's kind of like been like the. Again, it, it's the overarching story. It's not necessarily at the request. Yeah, it's, but, 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 it's, they, it's, they haven't found it. It's they're like, just trying to look for their for their yeah. They're just looking for their dad, like throughout this like whole world that's like uh, been split up by into the sky. From, so like the like the very him. basic, the very from, basic like 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 um, world building of Grand Blue is like the gods have forsaken people, and so like they kind of um, kind of destroyed like the landmass, and so people were forced to like establish a civilization up in the sky, essentially. Where from the are, like, split apart. From the impression I got, the like story nexus um, is at least partly like Hunter Hunter with, with like a that whole thing with with the dad. But yeah, I don't know. They yeah, haven't so, had it, the dad yet. It, 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 it's like it's like it's like a very basic, very basic, basic, basic motivation of like why you're traveling around. That's it. it it's just a good MacGuffin, really. Yeah. So I, like it's, I would say so the bit of the. Like, we like we won't go through like the story beats, but the I would say that like while the story is entertaining, it's I compare it to like a Hollywood action film with its pacing. It's a very very like it goes at a very speedy pace, which is fine. Like I'd rather have an entertaining story than a boring one. And, and like and your and the story and the and the characters that you're fighting, it's, they're basically Saturday morning villains. Like it's very basic because Lyria uh, once you meet the antagonist factions. She gets abducted, and for a good chunk of that story, you're following these villains to go save Lyria. Um, yeah, and you know the villains about to use her for her own, for their own schemes because Lyria has a special power to summon these like beasts called primal beasts that could like you know wreak havoc on the on the world, and so they use it to use her for her, their own means, you know. But the for me, uh, the story is like whatever, you know. I don't really have any emotional investment in these characters i know that like if i want to see more of their stories that's what the original game is for that's totally fine but i i just i just don't really care about like the character interactions or like any of the stuff like that in this game well uh, like, i i treat um, the event like a or maybe i treat the main story of grand blue relink as a like a shitty event in mobile game that's how i look at it yeah so there you go the, the I, I i don't know if that's praise or not but you know that's fine. That's totally fine because the the story is entertaining uh, on a moment to moment basis because it really excels at giving you like really fun set piece moments. For example, like uh, there's a very, very, very early event in the game. So m- very minor spoiler warning. Um, very shortly after Lyria gets abducted, um, you go on your airship to go chase after the antagonist faction. You get into the set piece moment where you're like kind of getting boarded by the antagonist um, or enemy ships. So you fight them on your ship, then you board their ship and go fight them off. So you kind of go um, moment to moment in this mission, like boarding enemy airships and then killing off enemies. It um, it eventually goes into like your uh, a boss fight with like one of the first um, people in the antagonist faction. Uh, his name's Galanza, and he has like this spear. And you're kind of you're you're you know you're doing basic boss fight tactics where you're doing your wailing damage. Then he goes to like an overdrive phase, so it kind of has like MMO mechanics where there's like some dodge phases in it. And that's a lot of the bosses in this game where you'll you'll wail on them. There'll be some dangerous attacks. They'll get into an overdrive phase. There'll be like some dodge mechanics, like a, sort of like an MMO boss fight. And then, um, uh, you know, after you get over the over, uh, you break the overdrive. There's your damage phase. 
and so on. So there's like a lot of cool flashy attacks he does with his spear. But then after you beat him, obviously it's too early in the game to like, you know, permanently like, you know, destroy or like kill off these enemies. They like retreat for the meantime. So what he does in this cutscene is like another character for the antagonist faction is like, you need to retreat. Like we gotta go. We we run out of time. Like okay. Um. So the, this cutscene is him basically throwing his spear up in the air and then riding it back to the ship. Like it has like a rocket booster at the end of it. He's just surfing at it. It's almost like Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes, like snake missile riding. You know, and you just you just didn't know that was a thing. He's like, oh. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> that's fucked up. That's really funny, and that's like, and it's kind of, and it, there's like moments of that in this throughout the whole story. That's like, it's kind of, it's absurd what you're doing and what you're seeing, but that's what makes it so fun. It's like you just don't know what's gonna happen next, which is nice. So I did play this game with English voices mainly because I don't have any preconception of the characters. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one playing with English, but and they're fine. Most of the voices. It's, it feels like it's a very classic uh dub cast it's a lot of voice actors that i felt like i haven't heard in like five to ten years um except there's kira buckland is uh catalina i believe uh, no, 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 no. oh okay linebeck is um is catalina then and then uh kyle herbert is Rackham. and then uh the crispin freeman is glanza and he's putting out complete Albuquerque voice from, nice. from Van Helsing on it, That's and probably it's like, I haven't heard this then. voice in a, uh, yeah in in a while. So it's it's a lot of voice actors that were really prominent in dubbed anime like five to ten years ago. I feel so. I was like, oh, this is kind of nostalgic in a in a weird way, even though I have no idea who these characters are, or I, or I didn't at the time. Uh, I, I have to play the Japanese voice because I played the mobile game for almost you know eight years, ten years. It's, a, it's like very freaking long. Okay, so I I can't get these voices out of my head i need the original voices oh, yeah it's reading. like the same like the yakuza series it's like oh you know i've been in the series so long and played in japanese yeah you can't convince me to switch mm. but that's fine I'm that's fine to. yeah I, I think it's great that they put an english dub in this game uh for people like you know who are maybe newcomers and or do prefer english voices in this game yeah i life. don't blame them because yeah. characters talk a lot during battle and yeah. you know it's kind of hard to focus on reading you know subtitles if you don't understand their language yeah, exactly yeah you know, there's a lot of like in battle dialogue in this game so Sakura Buckland is Lyria, and then uh, Erica Harlacher, the other Erica, is um, Gita. So yeah, it's a lot of familiar voices. Like I'm looking at the English cast; they have the actual Grand Blue website out, and I'm I recognize pretty much all these names. But so that was always kind of Allegra Clark, Rosetta. Yeah, yeah. But I get what you're saying, Josh, about like the um, the story kind of being secondary. Uh, so when this game was first announced and shown off, especially in the last couple of years, there was a lot of comparisons to Monster Hunter. You know, it's a uh, action rpg stages where you would team up with up to three other players go through like a usually a, a reasonably short if any like corridor of mooks um ads things like that a few a few like platforming areas followed by a, a boss fight at the end uh the only thing that i will say when i was fighting these bosses is unlike monster hunter bosses these bosses are um, like you, you already kind of made the descriptions with MMO fights in terms of like their stages and their mechanics. There, like usually these bosses, there'll be some optional, not during the story, but when you're repeating them at the quest counter, which is very Monster Hunter like. Uh, there's usually a, like optional objectives to uh, either not take a certain amount of damage or defeat them in a certain time limit. These time limits that you usually see are like 
two to four minutes. So these are brisk fights, especially if you like when you do them efficiently. The first time you do them, uh, you might not like if you don't know the strategy yet, you probably don't hit those. But afterwards you do versus like a Monster Hunter fight where a quick Monster Hunter fight is five minutes. So it's a little bit of a different um, uh, time scale there. Where I would, say, they, I would in, say it's more like pick up and play than like a Monster Hunter in terms of like length. Um, yeah, the comparison in my head was like maybe not perfect, but like recent East titles uh, okay. in terms of boss fights. But mm-hmm. but that's obviously a single player game. So I even think that's a really they, apt comparison too, because this is like the the get like the game flow in this game is very reminiscent of East. Like like and like it had like monster like type design or like like facing like monster like like huge beasts. Like it'll feel like that, and like how you're like trying to go for like certain materials to like upgrade your weapon or like forge new mm-hmm. ones but in terms of like the moment to moment like combat it feels a lot like these mm-hmm. so yeah that was the comparison in my head yeah and then the uh anyone who's read any review or watched let's plays or has or, or has played themselves because obviously the game is out um one, one one thing that has been pretty common in a lot of reviews is that the story is short but i think the story is also not the focus of the game so i went through and i played through the story i know josh has played through the story i know james or i know chow has played through the story james i'm not sure if you've finished the story yet yes yes okay so we're all yeah but so i kind of expected this game would have a significant post game but then like once you get to the quote post game a lot of systems open up in terms of like item economy in terms of quest options almost in terms of like okay the real game starts now in this for in this front so it's one of those things where like the story being short or not short doesn't really have any judgment attached to it because it kind of is what it is and then the game proceeds past that significantly both in terms of like there's story content past the credits as well but also in terms like okay most of the quests you'll be encountering are past that point most of the progression of your characters their skills their gear and their sigils is past that point a lot of different economies in terms of like what you how you gather items and use them to upgrade your weapons or uncap your weapons and things like that is all past that credits point so the credits point is almost kind of like a benchmark that you clear so that you can kind of then party up with your and it's also, story single player only yeah it's also but, sort of like monster Hunter in that aspect where like you like monster Hunter, you're you know it has a story it's not really the focus of it whether you mm-hmm. it's a take it or leave it on like whether you care for, for it or not and that's totally fine but you know the the meat of your game time is definitely going to be after that story if you decide to get invested into it because there's a lot there's a lot of large progression systems for long term play after you hit credit sequences in Monster Hunter and then same thing with Relink in that aspect uh, as well and that's t- that's a good thing like you know like like for my story completion it was about about twelve and a half hours ish and that's totally fine for me like like I did like I'm not gonna say this like the story is like anything special or meaningful to me, but that doesn't mean it was like bad. I think it was entertaining. It was a fun ride. It was seeing how these characters, what these characters went through and how these like story played out. But I, and I wouldn't say it was bad at all, but for me, it's just like, you know, the, the story and this kind of game, like in monster Hunter, is a very secondary nature thing to me. Because what I care about personally is that the, the gameplay progression, especially end game. Like when, when I hear like, I knew Monster Hunter is coming out, like Wilds, for example. I don't give a shit about what the story is going to be in Wilds. Um, I'm I, I, I'm interested in like how Endgame is going to go in Wild uh, in Monster Hunter. Wild. 
Yeah, and the story is like it's entertaining. I think that's the best word for it. It's it's not it's not significant, but it is very entertaining. It's got a lot of really neat set pieces, um, which I obviously won't describe here in terms of you know, I guess not really spoilers for the story, but spoilers for the set pieces. Really, yeah. Like yeah. I don't I don't want to sit here and like describe. It's like it's like, it's like oh, that's really cool. Oh, they let they are letting me do this. That's really cool. Awesome, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it it uh, that's fun. I think. We have to get we have to get crab thing out of the way. What are the weirdest uh, weirdest decisions? Okay, so let's 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 tear this up a little bit. In this game, along with the weapons you can craft and upgrade and whatnot, you can put these uh, things called sigils in your on your character on your weapon. And these sigils are are a massive part of how you kind of build your character, so to speak. So sigils have like kind of like attack power one, two, three, or four or five. Um, they can be, they can have pluses on them to like give an additional attribute. But for the main purpose is you're leveling up, um, kind of like say for attack power, and you get you get an attack power five. It has like a base level of eleven, and you can level this up to fifteen. But you can stack multiple attack power fives sigils on your character. So like if you have like three max level attack power levels, uh, you'll have forty five attack power because it's fifteen plus fifteen. Plus Theme, uh, for all, all of them, so that that and that might be cap or near cap for like your attack power. Um, so and, and you get more sigil slots for your characters the more you progress them through mastery points. You have you know skill trees that you unlock nodes and so forth. So a lot of like building characters, especially in post game, is thinking about your sigil setup because how you build them it will determine whether you can meet like DPS checks uh, in post game. Pretty much, and how, and how well your party. And it also depends on, like your party composition with others or your AI teammate. If you want to go that route, it could be entirely single player if you wanted to, but you have to build up four characters, so that'll take more resources and time. So one of the sigil things in this game are these uh, little crabs you can find in the environment called um, wee pincers, W E E pincers, and. After the first one, you get this um, sigil called like Krabby Investment or whatever it's called. But the, you cannot level this sigil up by normal means. Um, you can't you can't put materials into it or gold into it to like level it up. It'll only level up the more of these collectibles you find. And you're like, okay, whatever. Like, uh, will it like really amount to anything? Like, who cares? But th- this sigil, once it's fully leveled with all the forty five. We pincers you find the environment is like one of the best like sigils you can have like in like the like early to mid game progression and only really falls out to like late late game um because it gives you uh like if you find everything all, all the pincers in the environment it's like a flat plus 1000 attack power on your character and that's a huge 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 damage uh bonus and like it's so there's such a, a weird annoying design decision because like that's almost not time to say it's mandatory, but it's it's gonna help you really progress through like the game because you're like you're kind of going through stages faster and getting higher and higher damage from it. So it's kind of like one of those weird decisions that they tie this like collectible into like kind of like almost a core um, sigil uh, in this. And, and finding some of those damn things is annoying without like a video or a clip of it. Because they're they're so tiny and they don't glow or anything. So it's. And and I'm 
and I'm just gonna say this: <laughs> Do not expect a wee pincer guide from us because I accidentally picked one up and didn't take a screenshot, and it's like it's all over. It's all no, over. No, screenshot <laughs> don't work. You need a clip. Yeah, yeah. Even because, like, for example, like, let's say, like, how can like a text description or a screenshot not like help with this? For, for oh. just a, just a very basic thing, like one of the zones in the game is like a, once you get to the di- desert biome stage of the game, there's a there's a part in this chapter where it's like it's a big 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 open massive field and there's barely any landmarks or anything of where these things are. Like you like if you're if you're trying to describe where these were this open massive zone, you're like it's um northeast from the pillar that's a little south of this landmark you're like what the fuck did you just say it's like well it's there <laughs> you know i'm not lying it's there's like, no okay. map there's no compass we just assume that place is north that's that's basically it there, yeah. there's a compass in town but that's it that, that's another design decision that i don't like about this game uh like it's like a, a minor nitpick as well as like so there's no there's, there's no map even in towns that have like that little compass um so there, you can pick up side quests from NPCs in town, and like they're kind of just you know your normal fetch quest. Do you have this material? Great. If you did it, you know, I'll give you some gold mastery points and some other materials and whatever. But since there, there's no map in the game where you can find these NPCs, you have to like rely on like swinging your camera, then seeing the compass on like the on the on the top side of your, or your, the top of your screen You're like okay there's like a, a, a icon quest icon note right there i'm gonna run towards it i'm not sure if i have to go if they're below or above or on this level or on that level so i kind of just have to run around and find the little icon uh by by the npc because there's no map in this game and it's like it's such a weird weird decision because it's kind of annoying especially when you you know when there are some like you know eventually you'll come to like another town hub and it's just like, and that place is like way more complex uh, in design and layout than the first town hub. And so like finding some of these NPCs for their quest is like really annoying because there's no map. And it's just like, okay, that's such a weird decision, but all right. Um, I, I, that's like kind of like, you know, just like, it's a very like minor inconveniences and kind of weird design decisions for an otherwise really excellent playing game. There's other things I could nitpick about, like, how does damage uncap? What's the math formula behind it, Rig? Because I've started to think about like how do I optimize like my character, and I kind of wish I saw more of the math behind like some of these. It yeah, just- I do think they just straight up need to tell you when your like attack hits the damage cap, so you yeah. can stop like building that. It's like there needs to be like more info for that. Yeah, welcome to the mobile game. So that's it's a, that's that's a dumb reason, right? You're like, oh, it's just uh, they did that because it's just like the mobile game. It's like that shouldn't be a justification. Well, well I'm just saying, like in the mobile yeah, game, they I, did a, such a shitty job of explaining how the weapon system works, how the grid works. You literally had to go to like a hoops in Discord asking like a million people, like, how do you like you know calculate the weapon damage in this game? Because the in-game calculator fucking lies to you. It says that your weapon would do a hundred thousand damage, and for some reason, the, your weapon with the forty thousand damage. Does way more damage than the hundred thousand damage, according to the skill calculator. It's like, what the hell, you know? It's like, I, yeah, I, yeah. At least with weapons with Relink, it's a bit more straightforward. Though yeah. there is a wrinkle where it's like, realistically, you're gonna want to use your ascension weapon because that's the one that once you like have fully upgraded it is going to be stronger. But you still want to max out all of your other weapons because of the permanent buffs on the collection tab for the mastery tree. So it's like, even if you're not 
even yeah. if you're not going to use those weapons at endgame unless you like overlay them as like a glam or whatnot you're going to want to upgrade them because it's like it's free shit <laughs> yeah and you know that, that that stuff is like it's totally fine. It's, it's part of the grind it's kind of part of like that's that's whatever oh yeah it's, that's fine yeah, yeah. so like that's that's fun to kind of just like you know work on the side it's just like it's just like this little like you know weird design decisions on the side there's like eh, i don't know this could be better but in general it's a it's just an overall really really fun game to play i think some of the i think the game is at its best when it starts rolling when it starts like taking off the gloves and starts really putting you in really really difficult boss battles in, in the proud difficulty mode um some of the boss battles in that mode is like are like they're crazy hard. <laughs> even the, the even the even it, the intro fight to Proud is like oh god. I, I would say that the intro fight to Proud is harder than most of the stuff you unlock in Proud mm-hmm. when you first get the quest. It's only once you start getting the dual quests for like uh, some of the uh, later uh, like very hard and extreme bosses that it's like oh god this has hands. I still haven't done the dual quests for the uh, two. Uh, well, I don't want to spoil what. Oh yeah, what it's, 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 it's the mission of the stage called the Wolf and the Veil. Well, no, not that okay. one. The one for the elements, the elements ones. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I know, like, mm. looking at like a uh, at a uh, looking at uh, achievements that there are other versions of those elements I haven't seen mm. yet. But I assume mm-hmm. I have to beat those uh, dual quests for the two ones that opened up after I did all four of the original ones. To actually unlock those, I'm yeah. assuming. I'm gonna be. Was it that boss? I'm not spoiling what it is, but how does it feel to dodge funnels? <laughs> uh, it, it, like it was. Uh, <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, now you can be a uh, new type for real. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think uh, one of the the things I really like about this game too is like the music is very, very good in this game. It has um, some really memorable boss battle themes, like the second phase of the Fury Cane boss. The second phase of the Manic Armor uh, uh, boss, and like, and there's a certain story event where you have like a final showdown of a certain character, and like, once he gets into like the, the second phase, um, has a really cool theme uh, surrounding it. I think I think the one of the strong suits of the game also is just having a really excellent audio uh, design and excellent music to accompany like really really intense uh, moments. I think what happened was they took the main composer, Narita, I think it was. Yeah, and they asked Tomu Narita, I believe. Yeah, because there was like no new tracks composed for a mobile game for a very long time. And their reason was uh, he, he's been like sent to work on Relink or something like that. And it, it, shows, it shows. I guess it shows. Yeah, it shows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems to be gone, gone all out. Like, there's some like really cool themes that you only hear at like some post game bosses. That's like, oh, wow, that's. That's a really interesting thing that they, they did for this uh, boss. I don't know why they decided to do a, go with this thing, but that's really cool, you know. And a, a lot of it was very, I'd say, reminiscent of like, um, or er, like early years Falcom, which is a very a very high praise <laughs> coming from me. Um, so that's a it's a it's a really just incredible game. What what uh, characters have you guys been using? I don't want to answer because child make fun of me. Oh yeah! No, no, go ahead. Go, go ahead. <laughs> I've only really played as the the player character, the primary character, Gran. Mm, okay, that means you're a normie. No, I mean that's exactly what I am, so I'm okay with it. Okay, if you're the player, then we know you play the mobile game because in the mobile game, nobody plays with Gran. 
because they'll be like, oh, it's like even the anime. If you watch the anime, there's you know there's the you know there is a side OVA with Cheetah, and she's the whale. She has all the awesome gear. She's the end game player, and Grand's the loser that couldn't even beat the first boss, kind of <laughs> kind of thing, right? So, are you are you saying Brian is the player that couldn't beat the first boss? I hope not. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 for people who don't uh, understand, so in this game, you know, you have a main character. You can pick uh, basically the, a male or female. They're toggleable at any time. Like, you know, Grand's the male, Jesus the female. And you can toggle between them. The only thing that changes between them is like attack animations and their eyes. Um, but other than that, they have the exact same like mechanics and move set and skills. Uh, and um, uh, Chow, who who have you been playing? Uh, Zeta and Narmaya. I don't think okay. Zeta is good for the end game. She just Zeta, goes no, in the air, no. and you're like, you're gonna get one shotted by these mobs, and you're like, oh shit. My friend hasn't played Zeta in in proud mode. Um, he has that problem, but he also uh deals giga damage with with, with prairies as well. So like him and I are the damage carries in the in the group. So uh, my my friend end game group. Uh, my one of my uh, other damage dealer is Zeta, who like. Pretty much like out damage immunity at this point because he, he if he has like really good parries and like uh, air loops he's very good he's getting very getting very good at that. Um, but it's also what I guess uh, another one of the weaknesses in the game is like it doesn't account for Z axis. So like if there's like a damage thing on the ground and you're in the air with Zeta, it'll still hit you because it doesn't account for Z axis uh, hitboxes. So it only accounts for um, X axis on that. So if you're if you're still hovering over a ground like a damage zone, it'll still hit you. Just kind of dumb, um, but I understand. Um, uh, another one is Gran, uh, Gran uh, a support uh, mainly a support build, um, and then the other uh, one of my friends is playing Cagliostro. Um, very strong support and also has a, a good burst heal uh, as well. Uh, so. I find it hilarious that the Japanese tier list put them all in like the B tiers. It's like, do they not count for support characters on their I, mean, I, I assume they're going for like that, like the kind for only damage, and, and they're very, very early tier list. Like, you should have never ever take like tier list of this uh, seriously, especially in early game uh, like this, because support characters are so fucking key and, and proud. It's like not even funny. And then I'm playing Yodarha, and people call him Yoda because he's basically Yoda, anyway. Um, <laughs> He's a he's a small he's a very small little dude. His uh, his race is a Harvin. So a Harvin in the in the original Grand Blue Gamers like these like they call them potato like people call them potatoes because they're basically like very very uh, a race of very very small people. Um, if you're listening Grand to this podcast, I was gonna say if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't played Grand Blue but you have played fourteen, then they're Lollafells. If you go. haven't played fourteen but you have played Final Fantasy eleven, they're Tartarus. There you go. <laughs> if you played League, they're Yordles. There you go. Oh, God, I forgot you about Yordles. Uh, he's great because he has like like do like two katanas and he just just he goes super fast, and does a ton of damage. So that's that's our end game group right there. So I've been playing Yoda and he's been a lot of fun as well because he his whole gimmick is like building up these marks to enhance his skills. But then like the more loops you do to like gain these marks and his combo finishers, it gets uh it gets sped up the more you do it. So he just he's a, he's a character that like kind of starts a little slow but then starts zooming once he's starting getting a, a nice momentum. Uh, with them. How about you, James? Who have you been uh, been playing in this game? Uh, spoiler character. Oh, okay. Redacted. Got it. Got yeah. It. Yeah. They're great. They're great. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking it's, about it's, it's, it's that fast, character. 
It's fascinating how they have essentially a Final Fantasy fourteen ass uh, rotation. The best way to describe it for someone um, to chow if if uh, you haven't tested him out yet, he's basically the dragoon uh, rotation from fourteen. It's very fascinating. Dragoon rotation. That's very hard, isn't it? Well, no, not no. It's not. What? I find it's hard in my opinion. <laughs> Okay, maybe maybe this is the expert Final Fantasy fourteen player. I, I I switched to the healer because really DPS is hard. But is is spoiler character an original character or is he also? Yes. I assume he's from the movie. He's the original. Oh, he's original? original. Oh, I didn't actually. I didn't realize that. All right. Yeah. I assumed he was uh, from the game. Yeah. So uh, and then I started understanding. Um, James, you're talking about a uh, few because you had early access and I did it. So I had to play, you know, a little bit of catch up. But like, I, I I understand like what what your choke point was on like, oh shit, I need to like play this with other people, this specific boss because the it's so brutal if you don't have other players with you on certain. Are like, are, are you talking about the first proper proud difficulty yeah, boss? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> this isn't a spoiler per se, but the so since proud difficulty is the hardest difficulty in the game as of right now, uh, the boss that gates it has a brutal DPS check, like, about halfway through. Like, brutal. So it's like, normally it wouldn't be too much of a problem if you have other players, because everyone's going to be geared up with their main. Problem. I was playing before launch. I was the first person, as far as I can tell, to get there. Uh, I had to spend another, like, 20 hours grinding up all the rest of my party members to that power level just so I could get past the DPS uh, check. Yeah, even then, even in another uh, endgame party that like was properly equipped, like it was still a very, very tight DPS check. Uh, the, the 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 thing that was like that was so clutch was like um, our Cagliostro like secretly put uplift on them so they they get an early skybound art to like delay it and like finally break it right there and then for our winning round. Like, it took us it took us like maybe like six to seven like runs of like learning the fight and and, uh, and just uh, performing on that because it's like. It's so you have to be really be on point by that point, and it's like it, yeah. it's, it's the game's way of telling you that far in. It's like okay, proud difficulty is sort of real, so we're gonna ta- we're gonna throw you in the blender, and you kind of have to take this fight seriously. Like, it's right. fascinating how like this game kind of already has like Monster Hunter low rank, high rank, and then and then also like master rank built in. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's been it's been a blast. I'm, I'm excited to like learn other characters as well because like I, I've only I've like for most of us like we've only been playing like one main character, but there's only one out of like how many characters in this game, and like and you can get so so much hours just like progressing a character. I look uh, forward to uh, um, leveling up Siegfried because I love his like timing based uh, combos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people made a joke. It's like you're playing high five rush for this guy. <laughs> That's great. Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking either spoiler character or um, fairy as my next one. Fairy seems cool as well. Uh, let's see. I, I think I'm probably gonna try fairy as the next main. I think. Oh, okay. Nice. How about you, uh, uh, Brian? Are you thinking about the, trying out other characters? So the when I was first picking. So throughout the course of the main story, you get a handful of the tickets to summon um, additional side characters. 
And one of the first ones I summoned was uh, both Cagliostro and Narmaya. Mm, okay. uh, just because they, they just just had seen Pike popular characters. Cagliostro, I never played as her. Uh, she seemed more like a caster type. That didn't, I didn't want. It seemed too too high brain for me. Um, so I did play as Narmaya a little bit. And she's got a really like interesting thing with the like stacking combos uh, where you it's it's not a mark, it's a butterfly where it's like a self buff based on the abilities, which you then can consume to augment your other abilities. So I did play as Narmaya a little bit. Okay. Um, so next character would be just kind of learning exactly how she works and at, at more than just a surface level. Yeah. I'm. We we kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but it's a, it's just been. I, it's gonna be very interesting to see how Side Games Osaka responds to the success of this game. I don't know. Like I have to imagine, like the player numbers both on Steam, but that's visible to us, and also the the PlayStation player base. I I'd have to imagine it's exceed expectations. I think this game has done surprise is like surprisingly like just very very popular, and you'd never like. You would, you would have never guessed it. Uh, so I wonder if, like, if right now their uh, pipeline for um, supporting this game is uh, next next month, they'll have this, like, uh, new endgame raid for Lucilius. Um, and then after that, they're going to have, um, they're going to add two new playable characters in an update in, like, April. And then they're keeping the May update for this game uh, under wraps. So they haven't revealed the the content of that yet, but I wonder, based on the success of like of this out of the gate, if they're like talking behind the scenes of like, hey, should we so like, should we support this game more? You know, should we like start like I'm further content? I'm going to guess if nothing else, we'll get an expansion because there's definitely a certain character in the story that whose fate was left in like mm-hmm. ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and who know who knows like if that that'll be part of the May update or if, they, if they'll follow up on that or if they're thinking about like you know further down the line. Where I'm just very interested to see where Reeling's future is because it's been like if nothing else, everyone who has touched this game seems to really enjoy it. Like even if they have flaws around you know some parts of it, just the general moment to moment gameplay. As soon as like people play this, they're like, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. You know, going through it and seeing what it has. And, 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 hey, and the, the nice thing is, like, you don't really need knowledge of the original game at all to, like, have fun playing it, you know? Just to, they really, really fine-tuned the gameplay systems to a really, really awesome degree. It also has, like, a really, like, as someone who is exactly that, someone who has no prior history with the series, um, it just has like a pleasing art style it's got some excellent mm-hmm. music the gameplay is addictive it has a lot of that i say this without a lot of judgment though i'm gonna describe it poorly like skinner box sort of things where you're always being like rewarded in terms of like every time you do a quest you can upgrade uh, a new mastery a little bit further or you get a new piece of gear or yeah you like, like no matter what you're doing you're always like making some sort of progress on your end yeah yeah where, like, like, compared to the Monster Hunter comparison, of course, is I don't want to drive it too much into the ground, mm-hmm. but sometimes you can do a thing in Monster Hunter where you need a very specific drop and you don't get it. And you're like, well, this really didn't give me much of anything, like a little bit of money, but I have a, I have a million money. That doesn't matter. Where here, you get the mastery points. You, you always get something that you can make use of. And it, it makes it addictive in that way where I had to kind of like peel myself away. Be like, all right, I need to work on something else. I'm glad you mentioned that. To go back. 
I'm glad you mentioned like the like you know the the pain of not getting a specific drop like Monster Hunter because yes, you definitely have that, but there's also like not to say a pity system in this game, but there's a, a like there's these things called uh, like gold tickets that you can um, spend for quick quests, and so like when you go to quick quests, if you're not like in a full four player party to do them, uh, and mm. you go to you open up matchmaking and like you you pretty much matchmake into like four random people or three other random people into a random quest and the difficulty of the quest could be either be easy or maniac but you don't really, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into it could be any quest with uh, random strangers and as soon as like you complete that with them you're awarded up to three like of these gold medals depending on how many like tickets uh you decided to expend for this quick quick quest and so you can uh, accrue these the, this gold medal currency to go into the the Sierra shop, and there's like a gold um, uh, underneath, like the the Dahlia shop. Uh, there's like this um, menu, sub menu, where you can expend gold medals for that specific specific drop. So if it's not dropping for you, and you only need like one of it, you can just go to that menu and like purchase it right there, then and there. It's like okay, thank you. <laughs> so that's been really key for me. For, for like like I've been having terrible terrible luck with some drops. In this game, but thankfully they have like a system to kind of like um, help you with that. Uh, the only the only caveat is like getting these tickets is sort of like almost games as a service s because like you because it one way to get the tickets is like they're based on a time order. You you retrieve a ticket, then after a certain amount of time you can retrieve it uh, another one again. Or like if you like you complete like a, a, a certain amount of quests daily, like three quests, then you'll get like. Uh, another ticket so like accruing these ticket currencies to do quick quests uh seems to be you know quick uh, correction it's not three quests daily it's uh every three quests you get a ticket oh sorry every three quests. so but yeah and these um, are all and these are all things as to kind of drive home the earlier point that unlock in the quote post game so like none of this even like factors in during the story the story really is kind of like a prelude to the rest of the game <clears throat> Because I remember yeah. I dipped my toes into the post game and had just I did like one. You're given like eight objectives very early on in the post game. Has it has a little bit of a story of its own. I did one of them. I just want to at least get my toes wet. And then including this ticket system, it's like oh, that's not something that it was even present in the main game. And, and even how that works. And even that aspect of the post game is just like scratching the surface. Like mm. uh, I'd say that there's sure. like three like kind of sections to the game: the story, which is the tutorial. The post game, which is just like getting you up to speed with the multiplayer. And then after that is the actual, okay, the training wheels are off. Here's the uh, real meat and potatoes for you sickos out there. Hi, I'm sicko. Uh, yep, that's me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I think either way, the, the, like, um, you know, go at your own pace, you know. The, this game is going to be, you know, it's always going to be around. Um, and you know, if the player population is dead, to go by, I think it'll stay active for quite a while. At least I on feel PC, like it'll, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, I can't. Yeah, we can't speak for PlayStation. Hopefully, it's you know, it'll be active on PlayStation too. Uh, I think that's also like just one caveat with the game too that they already announced. Like, there's no crossplay at all in this game. Unfortunately, I hope they implement like. I hope they do. Like, in some ways. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, they find they find a way to do that because. This game would really explode if they did. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, like in it's interesting though because, like, uh, watching some of my friends that do have it on uh, PS5, 
Uh, the way that the online features work is very different between like PlayStation and PC. Did you know that the server list isn't on PlayStation? Just wait. What do you mean, server list? The I, room I, list. Oh, I never, I never, I never checked that. I didn't know there's a server browser in the in the PC version because I've only played with friends. I've I've only played with friends and, and then random matchmaking for uh, the the quick quest. Yeah, that's it. I, I never knew there's a server browser. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and that's not on the uh, PlayStation version from what I've oh. heard because you have to like. So with the uh, with the PC version, you don't actively have to like go online. You can just like. Uh, set up a like a it, it's it's weird like looking at the differences it's like more than i expected okay but i i think i guess since we're talking about the pc version of this game i think in general the pc version of this game is is totally fine it's been fine on my system like i have an amd cpu yeah that's going to be that's going to be important later yeah it's going to be important later i i I have a 3080 and i'm running it on 1440p 120 fps it's all ultra settings just fine no no hitching it's never dropped it's been fantastic never crashed it's been fantastic unfortunately so i made i made a lot of people yeah so i made a uh an article going over the pc version because obviously i had it before launch and i tested it on a steam deck my laptop and my desktop problem all three of those systems had had amd cpus apparently i'm not sure if it's been patched but it there was there at least was a problem where if you were using a 12th gen or newer intel cpu basically any of those cpus that have the uh like uh efficiency cores if you had those efficiency cores active uh it would just crash the game at boot so i tested on three separate systems had no issues whatsoever like the the port was a bit bare bones but performance was fine like no real issues uh unfortunately a lot of folks did (laughs) yeah Uh, this is like uh, like you know some friends of mine had this issue like it was really heartbreaking to see like you know they were really excited for the game but then like one of them like could only like get to the main menu like one out of 20 tries and then after like an early game cutscene it wouldn't be able to progress further he couldn't even get into the cutscene to like skip it it would just like just immediately just crash and not even be able to so at least he was able to still play it on his steam deck and like progress the story that way and then from what i understand um there's like a recent patch that was deployed last night and i was like at the time of this recording it's saturday it's like friday night uh, and that fixed the issue for him. I don't know, like, if this issue persists. There were some other fixes before this patch was deployed, but you know, there at, at least I'm. I'll give Psy Games credit that, like, they, um, you know, they fucked up, but they're responding to it very quickly, which is, you know, they at least they have the resources and the time to do that. So thankfully, they're on it because unlike you know smaller companies like French Bread with like the Undernight and Birth Two PC port, which has been kind of a shit show. Um, you know, it. I'm glad they're responding to it like in a timely fashion. Which, un- unfortunately, French Bread it's like a much smaller company hasn't been able to like you know address all the problems immediately with their recent PC port of a of their of a 2024 game. So, so, so hopefully you know more and more of these uh, problems are ironed out in between both of these games, and one gets to you know enjoy it, have fun, have like. A relatively stress-free experience getting the game to work. I will say I do have an Intel CPU, and I didn't run into the automatic boot issues. 
So it is widespread, but it's not like a death sentence. If you did have one situation. very particular issue, though, right, Brian? Oh, uh, the the one issue that I did have was the credits. Mm-hmm. I went to I pressed pause and I pressed skip, and that's the well, that's the one time in the game that I had it hang where mm-hmm. I pressed skip and then nothing happened. So and then I rebooted. There was a checkpoint at the credits and it was fine. So yeah, not ideal, but it, it happened. You know, it was solved within you know six minutes. And I was like, oh okay, then that was strange. Um, but yeah, playing through the game itself, I, I didn't have any issues booting or loading into any quests or anything like that. So I, I hate to just say it works on my machine. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to say like, yeah. it's not like if you have an Intel CPU, are you boned? It's like, not necessarily. It's hard to say. I, well, I, think, I think they're looking well, into it. Yeah, they've yeah. yeah. And and it's worth mm-hmm. noting that it it's very unfortunate that this problem was a thing in the first place, but they are not the first uh, developers that have had an issue like this with with the uh, current generation Intel CPUs. Like, I think, uh, like, um, Will Long had a similar issue with, like, performance, mm. at least, uh, when that came out. Oh, but yeah, I remember you, yeah, you were talking about it. That's right. So, yeah. Well, well, the only reason I knew that was a problem is, like, I saw, like... Uh, Pat from uh, uh, Castle Super Beast on Twitter like complaining about it, and I assume he has an Intel CPU. <laughs> there you go. That's one way to to, uh, to to know immediately if someone has an Intel CPU. <laughs> um, but I think, in general, in between the four of us that have played this game, I think we've all given it like a two thumbs up. I'm like, hey, this game is really good. If you're a fan of action RPGs or action games in general, definitely don't need to know the IP. Yeah, definitely, this game is worth checking out. I can't I, I imagine think... to get people into it if they have like the whole mobile game pe- baggage in there. It's like recommending people a Trails game. It'll be like, hey, you have to play like 10 other games before you can try this one. I, I think also like if you have a PlayStation, I think they still have the demo up, right? So at least if, you, if you're still unsure about this game, I think there's still a demo up on PlayStation that you can download. Yeah, no, no demo on PC, unfortunately. Yeah. Excuse me. Well, with that said, we'll go ahead and go into the second major release of the week, which, of course, we kind of talked about a little bit at the start of the podcast. And that is, of course, Persona 3 Reload. We do have a review of of this game as well up on RPGsite.net, written by uh, Scott White. But also, Chow has been playing and putting up a lot of features for Persona 3 Reload. Chow has just been a madman the the last week or so. Uh, so we'll go ahead and hand it off to him. Uh, so, Chow, your time with Persona 3 Reload, of course, you have already experienced with Persona 3 from a previous uh, iteration of the game. Just go ahead and just take it away. What, what has been your time like with Persona 3 Reload, aside from all the notes that you're taking to to cover the social links and the guides? So my, my take in this game is like a more definitive version of Persona 3 Fez, uh, but with a lot of, like nuance and a lot of changes little minor things that could like probably throw you off or you know might not have you remember things like this game is like a lot of like i don't know like certain characters like the bonding or the social links when you talk to them it's like in this version no matter what you do it's like all the choices give you like plus one instead of like plus three in the original one if you have like a matching arcana so it kind of throws your like schedule like off course if you're like trying to follow like a persona free fez guide or or a routine or whatever, right? So I, from what I remember on like the the plus one plus three stuff. So like basically in the in the base original persona three, like when you 
kind of made like the correct decision you'd have like a little was it like a, a little note or music yeah yeah note? it's the same thing in this one you see a little okay. note and it pops in their head but it's like all the choices will give you a plus one and if it does that it, you'll need to spend like an extra day with them right so it kind of throws you off course if you were you know doing so, it. So, so in that way like does that mean like social link progression is like is slower in this version because it's only a plus one it, it's supposed to be slower but you have like way more lenient ways of like building it now because okay. the thing with this game is like okay so the biggest hurdle when you're playing a persona playthrough for the first time is that your social stats suck when you start the new game it's like yeah. you're itchy band dumbass level one <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so it, it'll be like that right it, it's like you start off the part, biggest hurdle is building your social stats in this in in any persona game and i think what makes this one really easy is that you get access to the restaurants like right from the get-go and the restaurants okay. give you yeah. plus four like social stats like those are actually like huge, two music yeah. net notes right that's like better than going to the arcade machine and playing there so in this game you never want to study at home that is the worst thing you can do <laughs> and other worst thing you could do is sing at the karaoke or drink uh coffee at the cafe these are the worst choices. Those okay, are you like heard OG. it here first. Never study. <laughs> like... Never drink coffee. Uh, don't do karaoke either. I, I love that. I like the Persona 3 Reload and Charles like, don't fucking do these things. It's not, it's not efficient. You are wasting your time. <laughs> so in, in this one, you know, just go eat at the restaurant. For some reason, eating ramen makes your charm go up. This, and... this, is, this is like big guide writer brain that you're doing. I, I love it, actually, because like the first thing like, you think about, like, How, what am I going to talk about? Is it's like, uh, like, oh, right, the efficient things to do with a guide. That's it. It's like, don't mm -hmm. ever do what, what I tell you not to do, okay? That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, so... you're the master guide maker, so I, I believe you. I'm gonna, so, I'm gonna you know, you get your social stats maxed out at, like, like, when I did it, I got it, everything maxed by September. That's really early. Yeah, and you're like, and those old guys like, you need to do this by November, and the routine is like fucking strict as hell. And you're like, wait, wait, I'm playing Reload. I already got the, all the shit done in December. So your night times are completely free. You could like do unlimited shit at night now because of so, this. So what, what, what? Yeah, one of the things like in this Persona Three Reload that's new is like there's like more activities in general. Like I know there's like ways, like different ways to hang out with your party members, like back at the dorm, right? Like you can like, well, so how does that exactly? get integrated to like the day-to-day -day gameplay like is like during a certain like time of the day you can choose to like hang out with them like at like say so at the, certain like... guys are okay the guys have their own version of the social link called the link episode uh you see like exclamation mark on top of their heads and you talk to them and and it kind of starts like their version of social link but no matter what choice you pick in there it doesn't like show nodes or go up or whatever right and mm -hmm. these events are kind of tricky because if you miss like one of them it might not trigger the next one. Oh wow so okay. i i think like for me i didn't I didn't choose to attend Junpei's like link episode because he's in this schedule during summer, and you wonder, hmm, if I choose not to attend this guy's schedule, will I still able to get a max social link? I wasn't sure about that, so I was gonna go prioritize to the social link first, and then later on, I never see a link episode pop up again from him. So I'm guessing it's like, oh, they're all connected stories. So I missed that one in the summer, and now he's not. Now you'll see. Is it like like almost like borderline permanently miss, uh, missable stuff then? And I, I think it might be. Oh wow, okay. that's that's for me. But like the Akihiko one, it's like oh, it's like it's not missable or the Koromaru because they keep you know they appear at nighttime and you keep hanging out with them like like every Friday or something like that. Well, well yeah, well, and, and 
both these link episodes and like both the social link stuff, like they're now all fully voiced stuff from I understand. Like, yeah, they are. I, I okay. love I love doing uh Babe, uh, the French guys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. The French guys shuffle link is fully voiced, and uh-huh. you don't know if it's like this is like the whole kind of like making fun of like Western weeaboos kind of thing. <laughs> it's like ciao, how do you enjoy that? Was it Tanoshi? You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's awesome. <laughs> It, it's so good at the voice acting. This is hilarious, right? Yeah, there's there's a similar like sub story in like the new uh, like a dragon game where it kind of pokes fun at that. Where uh, Brian, you know what I'm talking about? Like kind of the when, when they present Ichiban with like, what do you want to eat? Do you want to eat like this uh, the mahi mahi plate, or do you want to eat like this how uh, eat this fruit salad, or do you want just plain old rice? You know, this. and he's like, uh, if you pick something else, you're like, that's not the right option. You're Japanese. You should pick the rice. <laughs> and it's just like a plain bowl of white rice. And then, and then, yeah. and then it's so and later it's like, you should, you should throw a shuriken because that's what <laughs> Japanese people do. It's so like, it's so it's, it's like slapstick, you know, that's not even the first time that Yakuza's done that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Weave, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, that, and but I think I think one of the weird, from what I like, so correct me on this chat if I'm wrong. So I think one of the weird um, consequences of like having all these voiced events is like some of the content in this game has been like kind of cut out from the original in terms of like like say the the options and social links that like which club you can um, join. Yeah, like, the Kendo this club, is a uh, major effect with the yeah. uh, fortune social link. You can only yeah. do the art club. He's not part of like different clubs in this version mm, okay. so you know in like the original it's like you could join the photography class and now he's like you know the main guy in the photography class and now if you join the art club he's somehow he's still be the main guy in the you know art club but now it's it's just art club only right you know okay. and same thing with like the sports thing it's just you know you just go to track and field and it's just track and field only right mm-hmm. it's just like you know it's i guess they don't want to do like too many it, it, it'd be it'd be a lot yeah i mean I, I, it's it's kind of like a bummer but like it's one of those things that you, te- you understand from a technical level as well um in that aspect i think kind of a little bit of a bummer um i think uh, one of uh, one question that everyone has on their mind that like has played the original persona 3 is like um how is tartarus in, ver- in this version so obviously you know a big part of persona 3 was like the midnight hour and during the night time you can choose to explore like this big tower which is the big main story dungeon uh, I don't game. find it tedious in this one, in my opinion. Uh-huh. But okay. I know a lot of people find it tedious. But like the main, the main thing with Tartarus is like how easily your characters go into fatigue, right? In the old right. one, Either you could like do two battles, and it's like, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to fight here anymore. And you're like, oh, come on, man. It's like I just have real life, you know. <laughs> like, and then when they're fatigued, you're putting your life in danger in the old Persona Free because you know when they're fatigued, anything can go though. wrong. Anything yeah. can go wrong. It's like they get, their accuracy suck. They could get hit from the dumbest things and get critical hit. You know, shit yeah. can go wrong. It's like your stats may be full, but it's like shit can go wrong fast. Mm-hmm. Right? That's kind of like in Persona Free. So, uh, yeah, in this we, one, there's no fatigue system. Yeah. Fatigue system's gone. But if you go back to the start of the dungeon, your SP does not recover, right? Oh, okay. So yeah. well, how they changed that with this one is that if you want to fully recover your SP, either you carry your own healing items or you examine the clock right before the staircase. And okay. the clock, uh, you collect these things called the Twilight Fragments, and mm-hmm. you use seven of them to, to fully heal your party. And seven seems a lot, yeah. I, so I don't really use it. In fact, okay. I find the game easy enough that I don't even need to rely on this clock to fully heal my party, right? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I was able to easily get to the top of the tower in every session I get to. Um, but that's a resource you can use if you think that you can't make it to the top without healing your SP. Mm-hmm. Uh, white light fragments are like really rare in this game. How, if, how you find them is like when you do like a social link, if it goes a rank higher, you talk to Elizabeth, she'll give you one. And then if you look at the ground, certain blue sparkles in the ground, some some places, it's like that's a Twilight Fragment. And then they could drop from dungeons too. It's pretty rare. But I, I'd rather use them to open treasure chests in it. This, they, you can use them as like a key to open like treasures in Tartarus in, in Persona Free Reload. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's kind of like their more main usage, in my opinion. Okay. And the other thing you can use for them is like if you find something called a Great Clock, which is like way in higher floors. It's like when you're party members, you know, when you have like way too many, like as you know, the game goes on, you start to have yeah. like eight party members and, and some people get shafted because there's no EXP share, right? Mm. So the Great Clock has this system where you can like pump in some Twilight Fragments and then it'll let you two characters on your next battle will scale to your main character's level. So oh, that, that's interesting. Like, like, immediately? Like, they'll just get leveled up to the main character's level? It won't level, like, immediately. You have to do one battle with them, and it just, poop instant, like, pop to the next level for them. Oh, that's interesting. So, so now oh. you don't have to worry about, like, EXP sharing. Because like, some people, like, I, I think this is more, like, a main problem when you're playing the answer, Persona Free Answer. You know how the, mm-hmm. it's, like, the game wants you to experiment with different party members to kill certain bosses, but you don't have the time to grind everybody else to make them useful. Yeah. So you just end up using sticking with your current party members and get fucked up by the boss because you don't want to level up the other party members, right? Exactly, yeah. But the game is designed that you want to use other people to get through them, right? I, I guess to be clear, like the Persona Three Reload doesn't have the answer content. No, it does not. I, okay. I think it's supposed to be DLC, but I don't. I don't care for it. I, I think the answer that's, sucks. That's not confirmed by an official source. Oh, yeah, it's it's like it's, the... it's, it's it's a long in the tooth rumor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't like the answer confirmed. at all. To be honest with you, I think the gameplay sucks in the answer, and and the story is kind of like a hit or miss. It has like a good idea in paper that doesn't really deliver. That's kind of like my idea with it. It'll be like. I think what makes me hate the answer so much in a gameplay perspective is like every enemy has a fucking dodge element. It's like they're waiting yeah, to fire, yeah. and then they have a dodge fire, and you just yes. fucking missing. Yeah, that's the, the, the uh, that's the one thing about the answer. It's annoying that the boss design like that. Yeah, it's just it's a very frustrating game to play, and I don't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> and I, I, everybody would just tell you, "It's like, oh man, I don't want to support this game because it does not include the answers." Like the answer fucking sucks. What do you even want? It? No, that's kind of like. Well, I mean, it, it is it is less content still on paper. Like some people do enjoy the answer. Like it's like, know. it's like you know, certain movie sequel sucks. So I don't even treat them as part of canon. It's like, oh yeah, did you know that the new Terminator trilogy package does not include Terminator Five? It's like I don't care about fucking. Five. See, like, uh, I I want to have it so that I can harp on it on my own terms. Right? Right. I don't know. It's like that's, that's right. kind of like how I treat the answer. It, it's like I I don't give a shit about it not coming. That's that's for me, right? So, uh, uh, like, we're talking about, um, you know, gameplay in terms of, like, you know, especially when it comes to SP management. I imagine they have the new shift system in this game that's kind of been borrowed from Persona 5, where you... But you don't get this. a buff. You don't get a buff. Not okay. like Persona 3 with the bottom pass, you get a huge buff, right? Oh, yeah, with Persona 5, yeah, with the top, bottom pass. But so the thing is, one... I, I think the SP management is super easy in this one, because Fuka mm-hmm. is stupidly broken in this game because in certain <laughs> situations is that she has Ferragy, which is like the, the new in-game mechanic that are like their super moves 
Uh-huh. Uh you know, if Fuka sees your SP is super low and you activate the super, sometimes he like gives you like 150 SP to the entire party. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Oh, sometimes you just abuse that instead of like. So, but when you since since Fuka's not uh, an active battle party member, do you activate her super in, in battle still, or do you activate it outside of battle? You activate in the battle. Okay. Uh, what you say it's ready. You just press a select button, and then she just activate her super. And then okay. it's like uh, everyone gets either like an attack buff or full HP recovery or SP recovery. It's like she's stupidly broken in this game, even though she's not participating in the battle. Have um, you noticed like any like big like story changes or story presentation? She's like, I, like I was I was looking at like you know some of like comparisons. Obviously, like there's some there's some moments like let's say in the original game, like when you first uh, summon Orpheus for the first time, that was like through an anime cutscene. That like is an in-game cutscene. Yes, yeah, in-game engine uh, thing. They had a lot of like animated cutscenes, but some of them were just changed to in-game cutscenes for some reason. Mm. Like uh, they added like this whole like, anime cutscene explaining about the Kiji. Was it? Uh, what's Mitsuri's last name? Ki- Kijiro group. Kirijo. Yeah, they were explaining like this whole video, like you know, like there's a whole anime cutscene explaining their origin story and all that stuff added in here. Oh, and. You know, that's new. I don't remember something like that. Okay. Yeah, At least that's for me. Yeah. And there are certain story beats that are completely rewritten to adjust for like the modern times. I know some people might be upset about that, but I think this affected like uh, Operation Behad, mm-hmm. like the final girl that you see there. The story reason why mm-hmm. they, they were scared off by this girl is completely different in this room. Mm-hmm. And then some, I think, I'm trying to remember what other changes from like, this like story. Uh, the biggest thing is the social links. Okay. Like, you know, like for the girls, you know, in the old game, as soon as you max out their social link, they all become your girlfriends. So you can't Here be you like this. This main character is just a freaking harm protagonist in the original, right? Now you have the option to choose not to you know, be their lovers anymore. So I, I think does that have any better. gameplay implications if you do or not? Uh, like, let's say, like, you do, like, the original and you still take them as your girlfriend. Is there, like, any, like, like final scene where it's like, hey, they realize that, like, you've been, like, double, triple, quadruple? Timing. I am a I'm a straight man here. I didn't I didn't cheat on any of the girls. Okay. Okay. I remember who, who even from romance? like a mechanical perspective in the this at least in the FES version, um, where you'd become their girlfriend like at like rank seven or something like that. And the thing is, is you couldn't have like two girls within like rank seven to ten at the same time or seven to they nine. They would reverse, right? Because it would be like, oh no, you're cheating on one of us with another one of us. And so if you wanted to like max all the social links, I might get some of the details wrong, but I believe you'd have to like get them to 10 and then like start the next girl. Yeah, that's um, the whole reason. You, had, you, you couldn't like, you'd have to do them like in sequence rather than consecutively. But I know they, they've already changed that in like portable because you don't have yeah, to. Yeah, like you, right. if you're trying to follow old guys, like, why is this guy like so focused on this girl trying yeah, to get like, it? Uh, to we're 10? just going to ignore <laughs> uh, Mitsuru for a while until we're done with Yukari, and then we'll go to Mitsuru. And reload, can you reverse link or no? You can reverse link, but it only okay. happens when you like pick the wrong choices. Like, uh, I think this happens with Chihiro pretty early. Like, I think mm-hmm. it was like rank six, I think it was. She's like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm so nervous. And you have like three options: like hold her hand, uh, do nothing, or kiss her. You kiss her, and she becomes like, how dare you? It's like, why did you do that? And then you're like reversed. Like, oh shit. Okay, okay. Um, I'm trying to think what else. And in the fest version of Persona Three, I they, didn't they add like certain events during certain seasons. I'm trying to remember if they're like bonus like events in the fest version. Uh, you had to be a little bit more detailed on the bonus. Like, well, 
like like the Elizabeth events. Was there, yes, they they're, they're here. Yeah. They're here. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's um, they have all the quests here, but her quest conditions are completely different in this one. They're okay. really easy to complete, and the deadline is like uh, pretty lax. Like I think they're easy to complete because like a good half of them, there's like a like a quest marker indicator to tell you where to find the object to complete the quest. Unless it's like something like completely obscure, like the Hayaki for some reason is not mm. marked on the quest. You it'll be like trying to figure out like the old fashioned style, right? Yeah. Just uh, I'm trying to remember. Do you remember the ta- uh, Taiyaki side quests in the original? No. <laughs> no. Okay. The Taiyaki side quest is like this. You, she wants to chill Taiyaki, but there's not a single shot that sells Taiyaki in this game, right? So okay. what you do is you go to a net cafe, buy this. Uh, was it this note? about internet forms or something like that, and you go uh-huh. search online an internet form, and they're like, hey, the school cafeteria now carries Taiyaki. It's like, oh. oh okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you buy the Taiyaki, you put it in your freezer, and you chill it, and you give it to Elizabeth, and that's how you complete the quest, right? It's a little Yeah, it's yeah, it's a little, little weird. Yeah, yeah, that, I, okay, yeah, I remember. So that. Some, some quests like that will not be marked on the map, right? Because that's more like you had to figure it out. But certain quests are like, hey, I want a fruit knife, and you're like, okay, who do I talk to for get a fruit knife? And then it tells you who who to talk to get the fruit knife, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's like that. There's lots of like quality of life changes. I think okay. the best one to do, I think what makes the guide writing for this game really efficient is the new rewind feature in this game. Like every time you can rewind up to like five days prior. Oh, okay. Wow, I didn't I, I didn't actually know you could do that. Yeah. yeah, so that's kind of like, it's very efficient for guide writing. You'll be like, oh, it's like, I t- did this choice. Uh, that's wrong. Okay, let's go rewind that. And you're just like, oh, okay, that's that's the right move. You know? Oh, yeah, but like, besides the rewind, like, are there like any other like big quality of life features that you noticed that like that was like really useful this time around? Uh, quality of life features, quick travel. Was there quick travel the old one? I mean, like, I remember travel like in between towns from the menu, but I don't know about like quick travel in, the, in what sense. Like, just instantly go to like different location by just oh, like, 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 like without a menu or anything, like uh, without the city menu. And then, yeah, no, I don't yeah, you could so. just instantly teleport to like oh. your room. Oh, yeah, room. oh, yeah, that's big. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, know that, that. that quick travel also works in Tartarus too. Okay, so yeah, as soon as you see the stairs, you're like, okay, I could just quick travel there and you could like explore like completely the other side of the map, pick up all the treasures, and you're like, oh, I'll just quick travel to the next floor because you already see the stairs, right. Okay, and and the other big change, like when you go to like Tartarus, is like there's like this new uh, extra floors called the Monad floors. Okay, and then you go down, and you can fight like challenge bosses, and then you get like this new material, and you can use it to like create like custom gear from it. That's cool. Okay. Well, there's lots of like minor changes. Like it's not like big big changes, but it just kind of like affects your overall gameplay. I, I think the Tartarus. Tartarus boss is like super easy in this game. I did not struggle through any of them. In this I was game. gonna ask how the how, how the boss designs were in this game. Like, was it easier? Did you feel it was easier, tougher in this version? I, I felt like they were super easy, in my opinion. Mm. That's that's on normal difficulty, okay. And I okay. didn't even I didn't even overlevel myself. It's like if you find a boss that are like immune to like, you know, like all the elemental properties, but they probably have status effects. Like one of the bosses, I couldn't. It's like I didn't even hurt it. I'm like, okay, I'll just poison it. It's like, oh, poison works. And you know, it's like and the boss just dies from poison. And one of them, <laughs> it's like uh-huh. charm even worked. So Mitsuru oh, wow, okay, charm worked on the on the boss. Oh. Which, so, okay, so, so it seems like there's like less element resistance than Yeah, yeah. so I think they changed something like that. And huh. 
Um, I think the biggest change for, like, with the combat is like the main character's fusion spells is like a fair. It's a super now. It's a fairy. That's his super, right? Oh, okay. Uh, but the good thing is you don't have to carry the persona in your inventory to use it. You just need to have that persona before. It's like so, your compendium, and that's it. Yeah. Have, oh, wow. So if you have like a was it like a Jack Frost and a Black Frost, or or Jack Frost and a Jack O' Lantern? You know, you get this one super from them, right? Yeah. And but now you don't have that persona anymore. But you still have the super, the fusion spell, right? Wait, like, like, do you, do you like even if you just have, if you, let's say you don't have Jack Frost and Jack O' Lantern in your party at all, you could still use the fusion super, or do you still need? Yeah, you still could use it. You still could use it now, even oh. if you lost them, right? That's oh wow, okay. <laughs> so it, it kind of makes the main character kind of interesting. So maybe yeah. you can summon that Apocalypse, the one with. Was it Satan and Desabob, I think it was? So that kind of like makes him like super, like he's super fit. Like he's, he's, he's always going to be relevant and always have like, like always going to be, can cover for like an elemental weakness that like say your party doesn't cover for. Yeah, but the thing that bar doesn't charge up that fast, okay? Okay. Uh, okay. It charge up really fast for like Shinjiro. Shinjiro is fucking OP in this game, in my opinion. <laughs> like for how, for how, how much I use this guy, this guy fucking destroyed bosses. Damn, dude. This guy, like, literally won the bosses. He did 2,000 damage to it. Just, like, fucking almost, like, one-shot it, right? Injiro sweep. Let's go. Like, one of the things you can do is, like, he has this... Like, I think they've made all the kits unique, right? Because if you play the original Persona 3, there's a lot of characters. Their kits are kind of similar to each other, right? Yeah, yeah. And they kind of make them, like, different enough. Like, I remember, like, in the original, it was like, okay, Koromaru is better than Junpei because Koromaru has better fire abilities and he has better this right so you have no reason to use junpei anymore once koromaru's there right yep and but in this version they changed koromaru's kit so his kit's more like he's more like a dark base user right? oh okay and dark is a lot different in this one it's more like uh what's it persona I'm, 5 dark? Like, yeah yeah i saw mean, I, I, I try to remember like i forgot in, in ogp3 like was dark still did it, did it even do damage or just instant death just instant death yeah it, it didn't have like death. those it didn't have those attack properties, right? So yeah, you can't, like I, knock them down. I remember down. that was like a later change in, in those in that series. Yeah. So you're just like relying on instant kills to like you know if you're if they're like light and dark wounds, which is really unreliable because something could miss like ten times and like oh there goes all my SP, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, but yeah, so Ken's kit is like he's all light, you, you know, light and light right? or electric, right? So their kit is different enough that oh, all the characters kind of play a lot different from each other, right? So you can, okay, so, you can, so there's actually like you know, like you know probably compelling reasons like uh, like search up party party formations that actually cover yeah, kiss uh, types. Okay. Um, for example, like Sinjiro is a complete physical monster. He has no SP abilities. Like one of his abilities is that he could use like this charge, which is you know like charge like the one that boosts your attack power like by double for the next attack. His version is that like, he loses like half his health, and then he gets like this charge with like f- like critical rate up and all this thing. And if he lowers his health, he also charged up his super bar too. So he's like this this brute force monster that that you could just kind of trivialize. That's the pretty game sick. Part, but, that's pretty right? sick. That, that that's actually pretty creative. Yeah. So I I, I love using this guy. I well, you know, but <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a lot of things that you you do, and the fairy system, you know, think people think it's kind of like busted, you know. It's like, oh, uh, I think I use it more to kill those. Uh, what do you call those gold hand thingies or rare shadows? Um, uh, I've, I've that I think they're just called they're rare called. shadows. I think right, but you know, I use that on them because the supers ignored, you know, resistance, and you can 
you know, ignore about missing, right? So you yeah, just, yeah. it always always hit them. So it's a good easy way to farm those creatures using the fairy G thing. At least that's in my opinion. And they they still have like the card shuffle mechanic too. Yes. Like, right? Okay. Uh, this one is even like more busted and easier than like the Persona Four version, right? Wow. <laughs> okay, so later on you get like the tarot cards. Uh huh. And when you get the tarot cards, you can like mix and match with it, and you can carry like up to like seven. And later on, it'll be like, oh, since you get this card from this Arcana, you can now pick two cards at once. And then it's just it's just so much easier in my opinion. Oh, okay, yeah, that seems simple. That. And then it's like, and they have like other mechanics that also can affect you, you know, like besides Tartarus. Like one of them is like the Temperance uh, Arcana card. It's like you pick this up, the next day you go to school and, or. And you do like a social activity, you get like twice the social stats. So now your Robin oh, Restaurant wow. gives you yeah, like X, X <laughs> eight funny. points, you know? Yeah, so, holy crap. That's okay, that's actually pretty cool. That's it, it kinda it kinda breaks the game wide open, but I think it's really fun. So it's like in the game is like, yeah, they made I think there is a reason why they probably make like the social link schedule a little bit more stricter in a way. But there's like so much quality of life and changes that you don't have so your schedule is even more flexible than you know, to accommodate for those changes. At least that's how I, I see this game. Okay. For, for, for what yeah. they're doing. So but, I mean, I mean, overall, I know it's it's like it's definitely like it's on Game Pass, but it's also if you're if you don't have Game Pass, it's a pretty high price tag for seventy bucks. Like for people who've never played Persona Three, you think you think this is uh, a good one for them to dip into? I think it's very good. Uh, the mm. only problem is this Tartarus. Tartarus is the Always the weakest link in Persona Three yeah. because it's like, how do you tell people to explore a fifty four dungeon? It, it, does it like feel less safe? Because I know like in the original, right? It was like an isometric view, and like the 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 floors they're they're randomly generated, but they're like it's not like that checkerboard tile floor, and it's kind of like dull to look at. They're just kind of like trying to be light to the stairs. Is there like any reason whatsoever to not be light to stairs still in that? Uh, in, it's in a little universe. bit better. It's kind of like in Persona 4 where, you know, after every section kind of looks distinct from each other. But I think what makes it easier in this one is you can run. So your character can just zoom in to the next floor without caring what, what ignoring like all the monsters around that floor, if you get what I'm saying. Did they ever change up like the model of like the like uh, interacting with enemies on the field? Because like, you know, in the in the original P3 and even for like, yeah, like the generic like shadow models before engaging. No, there, there's always the generic shadows. Okay. So there's always that. Um, like I, I know I kind of shit on the boss in the main Tatars, but I think the story bosses are a lot more difficult in this room. Oh, I would okay. say, like the full moon bosses. Like mm-hmm. okay, the first boss is kind of like oh, this has like a huge power up. You know, it's like, like yeah, it, I remember in my preview of my Persona Three Reload. I think I fought the first one. I was like oh, it was on the train, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Mario, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I remember like the I remember there's like a timer mechanic to that one, and I was like, yeah, oh, there man, was a timer one, one in the original. Yeah, too. the original, but but the timer one was like. Was like not, it, it wasn't used this, like in a certain way as in the reload version because in the reload version, like they speed it up during yeah. the fight. But it, like, so starts. yeah, the boss has this move. So I forgot what the move's called, but it will like cut the timer by half. Like it will be like, oh, it's thirty minutes now. Use that move. It's fifteen minutes. Use the timer again. It's yeah. like it's seven. Yeah, minutes. yeah. So so like it, the the, the timer is like deceptively like lenient until it starts doing those moves to like speed it up. Yeah, um, like I was doing one run where I tried to like write a guide where I skipped and this one gets straight to the boss and man i was struggling this boss was like tanky it's oh, like wow. timer was going down fast uh, it was just like yeah. oh it's it, like did, did, of... did, they, 
the 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 full moon bosses like do they have like like reworked or retweaked mechanics like sort of like that where they had like have like a gimmick to the fight as well yeah i think they actually reworked them to have like certain gimmicks okay that's cool like one of the bosses like it charges up electricity like non-stop and you had to hit it like extra hard to to stop it from charging you know Mm -hmm. they added a lot of mechanics to them and i I think they they feel a lot less script than persona 5 because in persona 5 you just kind of rely on the gimmick to kill them right Right. yeah it's it's like the the bank boss for example yeah like i that's what i didn't like about the persona 5 big bosses it's like oh it's like you it's you never feel like you're like you made the right strategy against these bosses it's it's almost like it's more like an amusement park boss yeah, you're um, waiting like this cool gimmick coming in, like holy shit, did you see that? And you just and they just get killed from that gimmick that just happened. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, so okay, I don't, so I don't it's, really it's, like it's that. nice. Yeah, it's cool to see that they have more flexibility uh, in this uh, release. So that's like, yeah, yeah. Like they have gimmicks, but they don't mm-hmm. really feel too gimmicky. I would say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, this is you know it's, uh, really cool on them to see like you know. A, Brand new spanking remake of Persona Three, and like it seems to, it like it seems to like look really really good. Like the presentation seems to be top notch. I think, like, do you think this is like a really this is a really good game to like kind of pave the way to like Metaphor uh, later this year? I, I think so. It's yeah. like I think they could get into this game. I think I think it's a solid recommendation. You know, I, I still think it's better than you know trying to recommend someone to Persona Five Royal, but I know some people. You know, trying to say this game's not Persona Five Oil, and that's a con. <laughs> I was actually gonna say, like, I, I, first of all, I've been listening pretty intently. I'm really excited to get into this game. Uh, I was gonna like admire our restraint about not invoking Persona Five as a comparison point too often, because uh, I do think obviously Persona Three was really well regarded, even you know, on its own merits. You know, back when it came out, uh, I bounced off it originally, so I kind of see it as an opportunity to like kind of correct that and kind of see it for what it was play it before persona 5 in my case so that i don't have that comparison point in my mind but yeah i'm really excited to get to this and um it sounds like a lot of the changes are kind of for the better in terms of targeting newcomers uh if you're not sure how it was before or what is changed or missing what what is different is not going to register in that way. Uh, yeah, sorry, I don't try. I, 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 I kind of went way into the weeds at some points because I was like really curious. I really no. love Persona Three as well. As well, no, I, I a lot of these conversations I remember like when we talk about obviously Persona Four got re released with um, Golden and Persona Five got re released with Royal. Uh, we've had different people kind of chime in, and every single time they re release one of these in a different manner. Oftentimes, there's a little bit more flexibility in terms of giving the player a lot of freedom, giving them not penalizing them as harshly, kind of culminating into this thing that I wasn't even aware existed this rewind rewind feature. Because as as much as you want to say, like, well, back in my day, I, I trudged in snow uphill both ways. Mm-hmm. If you were to make a mistake on a date and be like, oh, my one hundred trial is ruined. I mean, yeah, let's look at like that. You would you would go to, like you made some separate saves on your memory card on your PS2, and like you're like, oh shit, I fucked up. I'm gonna reload to a on your state. Vita Pro Duo memory yeah. card <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it was called. Uh, but but yeah, so it seems like a lot of those things are like, yeah, let's just make it convenient. Like I don't think I think a lot of times when games inconvenience the player in certain aspects it can be good to force them to like think outside the box but not in terms of like 
make the wrong option, you're out a hundred hours. Like, all right, let's let's figure out how we can curb that. But I'm really excited to get to this. That's yeah, me too. February when February lightens up, which it won't. Uh, so eventually, there's yeah. just too much. It's like I just need to figure out time to like uh, play this before Final Fantasy VII Rebirth because uh, once that co- hits, it's like Good well. Luck. That's a new game. That's going to definitely have spoilers I want to avoid. So it's like, yeah. I'm sorry. Everything else, put I'm on the back you. burner. Uh, yep, I'm with you. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, but James, it's a remake of a game that came out, you know, decades ago. You're, you're, fine. you're fine. I, I, I guess I'm, I'm being uh, dumb. <laughs> PSA also, clear up your fucking uh, space on your PS5s for that because apparently the FF7 Rebirth. 145 gigs or something yep. like that. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's either, clear, either clear up space or if you've been progra- uh, procrastinating on picking up a like separate like SSD, now's the time. Now's the time. <laughs> yeah, I need to fucking clear, yeah, delete some games from my PS5 too. Yeah, I'm only at like space. 300 gigs left. <laughs> it's a it's a chunker. It's a chunker. And yeah, and preload starts like two days before, I believe, uh, for the game. So you have time. So yeah, it's uh th- that was it's really cool to hear from you, Chao, about this case because I know that you're really really deep into Persona Three and like a big Persona Three head when it comes to how much we yeah I, I do I do want to say it's like yeah it has the weakest shuffle links so it. What I what I what I've heard about Persona Three is that yeah, it's all it was the first time, so it was very clearly like uh, they're still learning it. But to a, another extent, I've heard a lot of people kind of argue that like no, like the social links being like not all like people you want to hang out with is kind of the point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can see that too. Yeah, like I don't just know, like I, in I, real I, life, I wouldn't hang out with that French <laughs> dude. Let let you know right now. Um. Did, yeah, um, that seems really awesome. Um, I can't wait to, to play it. And as we uh, wrap out on this games we've been playing section, we do have the two reviews up on the site. They're over at RPGsite.net. We have Paul's review for Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, approaching the game as a newcomer. We have Scott's review from for Persona 3 Reload, approaching the game as a returning player who's familiar with persona 3 and then of course chow and others have been mm. hard at work putting together a lot of features up on the website for for guides and listicles and things like that if you're playing through those games uh and go ahead and just keep our site bookmarked if you have any interest in following those guides for all those social links and it's a really interesting high like, tips uh, and all those things like as an rpg focused site we'd like this kind of like one of the rare times where you had to really think about how we're going to allocate staff to like cover Huge yeah. games even in a limited yeah. time frame. Yeah, yeah. Some some inside baseball. Like literally, as we've been recording this podcast, our boss has uh, po- uh, piped in to say, "I think this is probably the best we've like and en- like any given day we've had on the site for traffic ever, like ever, which is insane." Yeah. And so. if you wonder, like, why we always mention guides, uh, that's that's why. <laughs> So yeah, it's an uh, so we we accounted for this right. Right, we're like, okay, we're gonna get infinite wealth. We're gonna cram down on this right before February. We're gonna give it our all right before February hits because once February starts, it's gonna be a, a lot. So me and you were just like, we need to get like yeah, a dragon. yeah, and it's like and like <laughs> drink it up. Like obviously, like this is like the busiest it's going to be this year. But it's not like the rest of the year. Like the rest of the year is going to be any slouch because like oh yeah, we have a lot next, of good to talk about coming right. coming soon. Every single podcast we talk about more release dates. We have a few on this podcast, and it's like oh another game in March. Oh another game. Star in Blade uh, in releasing April, I mean. the same 
fucking week is Aiden and like a saga? What is their problem? Oh my god, dude. So yeah, we're gonna right, get to that soon. And yep, well, yeah, we have a lot. We have a lot. More on that later. Uh, mm-hmm. So before we get into the news, um, we do have two other features that are not the reviews you talked about or the guides. Um, two other reviews that went up on the site uh, this week. So we have a bladed review for Dragon Quest Monsters: The Dark Prince. This is the um, Dragon Quest Four. Dragon Quest Monsters Three in Japan. Yeah, but yeah, it's but also it's, in it's the world of Dragon Quest Four. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Actually, I, 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 I made the same mistake as earlier podcast. Previous podcast. Uh, yeah, I was like, wait, we 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 had the same gag, and because I, I I misunderstood you again on accident. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Colin wrote up a review for Dragon Quest Monsters: The Dark Prince, uh, which released back in December. So again, for our web, December first, actually, for our website, it is a game in consideration in this year december to november me and, uh, and uh, adam are crossing our fingers for a pc release of this <laughs> before yeah, that. We're, we're totally expecting that it's just going to be an analog to like dragon quest treasures last year where midsummer will this be shadow dropped a pc release we have a uh, we have a surprise yeah. pc thing that the square enix related later on yeah too. yeah <laughs> Yeah, and so uh, Colin actually really liked the game a lot, though he does like self-admit that he's a huge Dragon Quest Four like nerd, so that's where mm-hmm. he's approaching it from. But he he wrote a very extensive review uh, up on the site for Dragon Quest uh, Monsters Three slash Monsters the Dark Prince uh, up on the site. And then in little less favorable review, we do have a review. We've talked about this on the mm-hmm. podcast previously. Eastward um expansion slash dlc octopia it's like an add-on to the game that turns eastward which was a kind of a kind of a like a charming indie rpg that released in 2021 had an expansion that turned it into stardew valley is the way it's been described to me uh was released uh just when did octopia release the reason why i'm asking this is because i i see the eastward release date in 2021 but what is the eastward octopia release date it was like the 31st or something like that the 31st of january so it's been out about a week okay and uh unfortunately page did not really take to this very well um i honestly i haven't read the review to know explicitly like what page didn't quite like about this but apparently it has a lot to do with like waiting around like oh i need to wait for this person to do a thing before i can talk to them or something like that Yeah, large gaps between exploration and combat. Um, there are there are a few character interactions in those moments, but they didn't really land. But still, gave it a decent score. I gave it an eight. But uh, if you are interested in Eastward's Octopia DLC, we've got that review up on the site as well. So four reviews up on the site this week. So people have been busy. All right. Uh, so um, she going gave into the news, a six. Oh, okay. Again, I'm looking at the other one. Probably I, the original I put the wrong link. Uh, yeah, yeah, I put the I put the wrong link here. So, all right. Okay, gave it a six. Then, if I go into the news section, we have only re- only a handful of like major headlines here. The rest are updates, sales updates, release dates, things like that. This first one, as someone who is not in this space, I read this, and I, I even I was just like, as a normie, as Chow has declared, I am. Read this and I was like, wait, what? So uh, it was announced in this last week by Aniplex and Tight Moon that Fate Stay Night remastered the original Asterix visual novel will be releasing worldwide for Switch and Steam 
in 2024. So I'm going to hand this over to Josh because he can speak to this most educatedly, I believe. When you saw this headline, is this is this a, is this as crazy of a headline as I'm as I'm making it out to be? To me, I read uh, this and I was just like, wait, really? Yeah, that's a, this is uh, pretty insane and like uh, pretty much 20 years in the making because this game came out uh, January 30th, 2004 in Japan, I believe. Uh, so to celebrate the 20 years, they're finally, you know, they're remastering the original visual novel. The, and also, this is going to be the first time of getting an official release in the West. Obviously, there been, there's been efforts in the past, fan efforts in the past to, you know, give it a fan translation. That's how it got so popular, you know, in the West in the first place. You know, well, as, as more and more people. I mean, I mean, like before the anime. I'd say, I'd say before before the anime, even you know, like there were roots of, of obviously Fate Stay Night, the original uh, one from D- Studio Dean, definitely exploded in popularity. But I think you know, planting the roots there because of Sukihime as well. Like Fate Stay Night didn't exist in a vacuum. There's also that momentum from Sukihime uh, that made it more known in the West as well. So I won't. I won't definitely like ignore those, uh, you know, uh, later grassroots efforts before the anime really brought it uh, into the limelight. Um, I guess for clarification, this this uh, remastered version is based on the the Vita release, uh, and that Vita release is based on the Rialta Nua version, which means like this is kind of the the still the same thing, but uh, the, it cuts out like the the anti scenes which were in the, in the original original release. Which is, you know, this kind of standard practice, and honestly, like those adult scenes were kind of, kind of out of place and written in, in the original version. Not to say that they were like, you know, they were repulsive or whatever. It's just like, you know, it was kind of a. Uh, it was just like but, something shoehorned in there because it, it, they yeah. were trying to capture a market. Exactly. It's kind of like a, so, the same reason why Sukihime had those. It's like it, that's kind of part, like you know, when you're kind of. It was expected. Exactly. Like yeah, to market it to people. Uh, back then, you know, that's kind of the expectation. Uh, uh, just, I've know, had, I've had these scenes sort of explained to me, like like some musical numbers in, in musicals where, like, they'll just break out into a musical, or in this case, a hentai scene, and then mm-hmm. after yeah. that concludes, they'll just continue on as if nothing happened. Exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of like, it's just there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not, that's, a, that's a really apt comparison, to be honest. I never thought of it like that. Um, but yeah, just seeing this. Hate scenes are like musical numbers. Okay. We can't have that as a podcast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We can't have that as a podcast title. <laughs> I wish we could. Can we have that as a tagline? We, 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 we'd get banned every day. We did. report from Alex. Like, our child's been demonetized. You know why? <laughs> so, uh, um, but yeah, this is really fascinating to see. Uh, to, to see to see that both this and the Tsukihime remake getting western releases in the same year is like insane and to think that's like this is kind of following up on like when witch of the holy knight got announced in the west for the first time it's like it was kind of like that, that breakthrough moment like oh my god are they actually finally gonna do it and sure it, enough they're 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 not stopping they're gonna go there it seems like from what i understand like, it's gonna be this could just be a global simultaneous release uh, as well just insane which at this point, it's like, oh man, maybe when we get the second half of Tsukihime remake, it'll be a worldwide release maybe, for that. Maybe, yeah. It really makes me think about that, too. Like, that'd be crazy if they did that. It And it's like, if you don't read VNs or you're not familiar with the history, like, make no mistake, this is, like, absolutely, like, turning a new page for the uh, market as a whole, like, in the West. It's like, 
it it's it's a huge deal because for yeah. the longest time, like this was the white whale. And there was like people in the industry saying that there have been attempts to license it out, but the licensing fees were just like so high because of like the anime and whatnot that nobody was able to actually like get the license. So this was the only ever chance that we would have had for like an official localization. It's finally coming. So it, it really, it really kind of like it. It really puts it into perspective. Also, like Tsukihime and Fate Stay Night were like our pretty foundational VNs uh, in that in that space too. Like a lot of like the most popular. VNs that you're into, they've probably been influenced in some way, shape, or form by like Type Moon's earlier earlier works. Um, so this is a pretty important piece of history. Finally, getting an official release of the West, and you know, so definitely when it comes out and you're interested, like whether you know the story or not, definitely support this. You know, this is really great to see. I said the same thing with Bitch on the Holy Night as well, which is lesser known, obviously, but if you're interested in seeing more of this happening, you know, give them support. So it's uh no. This is this is when great. this when this when we tweeted about this news, one response that I saw that I also thought was weird once I read it is that this has been announced for Steam and Switch, but correct me if I'm wrong. Sukahime and Witch on the Holy Night also had PlayStation versions, and this is the port of a Vita game, which is so it's like yeah. And, and the most it's crazy thing, no, 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 no. Here's the most crazy thing about this: Anaplex is owned by Sony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, about. yeah i mean he's not wrong you know, so now, now granted granted i get it like as of like 2022 pc gaming is bigger than like playstation in japan and obviously switch is bigger than both of them in japan the vn reading audience like i'm gonna guess like 95 percent of it is on either switch or pc how like how much how worth it is them to is it for them to make a PlayStation version of uh, of uh, Fate Stay Night? Genuinely, I don't know if it if it would be worth it. So I can't blame them. Uh, but the it, other the other games from Titan Moon though being on that platform for this audience, yeah. It, it, it's, I, it's, I, I know, I know you're trying to play devil's advocate for the publisher, trying to explain like why they would skip it. it it's just I betcha. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't say I betcha. I wouldn't be surprised if this got a um, yeah, a PlayStation port down the line. It just seems like a strange omission to me. Ideally, all three of uh, all three of them, which on the Holy Night, Tsukihime remake, and this, ideally, all of them are just P- P- uh, PlayStation Switch PC, no, no kerfuffle, no whatsoever. You know, but this is kind of the path they chose, and it's like, okay, I guess. But I mean, I'll support it nonetheless. But it's just kind of weird. I'm, I'm really interested to see, like. I'm really interested to see this release and see like what they've kind of remastered, like uh, because, like for the longest time, like on the like since it's based off the Vita version, there's like special anime openings, uh, uh, for each of the three routes in the Vita version uh, produced by UFO Table, but there's never been like a native, like high res version of them ever available. Um, there were there's been upscales and they don't look great, but never like an official native high res version of them. So I'm interested to see what they do with that and then the obvious main thing people are wondering about is did someone get tanasu did they convince him to stop with altria or are we just doomed yeah so so for for context um one of them you know saber's identity has been long known forever so obviously she's based on uh arthur pendragon um and then but you know uh but the way they uh her the way you read it is Artoria 
Um, so it, it, it's kind of a weird situation where the ideal English name for and it's actually been officially done by Xseed via the Xstella game games is Artoria, but and everything else officially coming from like Fate Go and other past renditions of like Fate Stay Night in the West, it's been localized as Altria, which is doesn't sound great. I, Artoria sounds better. So that's kind of the weird thing. Are, are they going to stick with Altria, which is probably what they're going to do? Because that's how yeah, it is look, look, yeah, and looking at the like uh, Wish on the Holy Night translation, uh, a lot of the translation choices for romanization mm-hmm. matches up with uh, what you would do if you were going to stick with Altria, because it's like uh, it just I forget the exact name, but there's like a, an antiquated way of uh, romanizing uh, yeah. like uh, Japanese name. Yeah, and it's like recently, actually, like uh, some sort of academic body in Japan said, "No, no, no, you you got to go with Hepburn." So hopefully, hopefully, Nasu saw that headline. It's like okay, but so yeah, it's 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 like it's like uh, in Witch of the Holy Night, like uh, you can you can have uh, characters would be Shizuki or Suzuki without the H, and that you know obviously Shizuki sounds better than Suzuki. Both are technically quote unquote right on paper, but. Obviously, well, now, now, the other. well, now only Shizuki would be right because of that, like yeah, what I was yeah. just talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's a question of whether or not he because he he's going to be the one that decides that. It's a Obviously. question of whether or not that. Yeah. I don't that. know. How, I don't know how Exceed was able to like bypass the lines. And be like, we're going to make an Artoria for Extella for the Extella games. I don't know how they were able to like get the okay from like Typhoon for that because I Netflix for the to okay that because this seems, that seems to be like the only official work out there that's been able to do Artoria and be fine with it. Well that was probably done before like the fake O translation. So was was it? I don't know exactly. It, it should timeline. be. I think everyone just kind of blames the fake Go translation for all these like, problems <laughs> well, these days. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. I know it's still cool that, like, you know, Fate Stay Night is officially finally getting a Western release after how many years? And you know, it's been a long time in the making. I'm really interested to see how how this shakes out. It'll be bizarre to one day open up Steve's front page and one of the new releases is Fate Stay Night. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that's it's going to be interesting to see. Because you know what's going to happen. It's going to be really, really weird to see like a VN released on Steam and instantly get like uh, 10,000 concurrent players. Yeah, I really wonder to see like what the player base is going to be like for this. That's going to be... Ah, I don't know. Because I, I assume like a good chunk of the VN community is going to like, we want to see what the fuck this is. That's why I watched the anime. There you go. <laughs> Could have watched a Grand Blue anime. No, don't do no, that. No, thank you. But yeah, and just uh, just to state again, this was stated for sale on 2024, but um, no specific window. And like Josh said, it's the way it's framed. It seems like it's going to be global. So I don't. It, it could just be two releases within 2024. I don't know if they've clearly said it's going to be worldwide. I'm, yeah, I'm reading through the press release. Just yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking about how they did. Uh, I'm just thinking about how they did the Witch on the Holy Night remaster, which was like a new release in the West as well. They were. I think they were on the same day, if not very, very close. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So chances are, World Out release twenty twenty four. Because uh, when, uh, like when you think about it, like the way that they release these in Japan as well, like they already have like the, it's like a single SKU of the of the product. It has the Chinese and English and Japanese script. All of them, and you just kind of pick and choose which script you want. 
The next thing that I have listed second is a news article out of Japan that Kite translated for us. This is regarding uh, Hajime Tabata and his new company, JP Games. This is uh, translated from a Japanese website, PR Times, which just gathers press releases, is my understanding of this. So, of course, uh, Tabata is most famously known for his work as director of Final Fantasy XV, but then Type left zero. Luminous Productions. <laughs> Yeah, oh. Then left uh, Luminous Productions and Square Enix uh, shortly thereafter. And this is a very, very, this, this isn't really an announcement. This is more of a business focused press release, but saying that they have come into partnership with a studio or sorry, with a group called Quantum Solutions in order to develop a new video game tentatively titled Shala. And the only detail that I can parse out of Kite's translation plus uh, a machine translation of the website is that Quantum Solutions is a group that develops artificial intelligence and hardware, has come into partnership with Tabata's H uh, JP Games to develop Shala. So this is very, very early. The agreement seems like it's the ink still wet, but if you ever are falling asleep at night and wondering what is Tabata up to? Now we kind of know. Yes. The fans have been asking us, you know, what is Tabata doing? Yeah, and it says we will have, and they're not even considering this an announcement of the game because this mm -hmm. is like a tentative title. Right. Uh, we will officially announce the game once development has progressed further. So basically, like they're saying, okay, our, we're just getting started. We have not officially announced a game, but this is a project that we're working with in concert with this Quantum Solutions group. So and, very, I, know people, really... I know people like internally and externally scream when they hear AI. We don't exactly know if like there's not any confirmation that there's like some sort of like AI or development in this game or something like that. We don't know that, that that's just how the way they like um, describe themselves, right? It's not. We mm -hmm. don't exactly know exactly like if there's going to be like any like AI solutions or being integrated into this game at all. That's just the way that they describe themselves and we're just reading what how they describe themselves. That's it. Mm. So my guess is, is that you won't hear from this again for several years, but it's what Tabata's working on. It's kind of hot off the press coming out of Japan. So we figured we'd at least give it a shout out here. All right. The next chunk of announcements are all trailers of upcoming games. I think I have seven here. So seven mm -hmm. game trailers. And of course, discussing trailers in a audio format is always a bit tricky. So we'll kind of go into these and figure out which ones are more interesting than not. A lot of these are coming from the Sony State of Play that uh, occurred just a few days ago at the time of recording. So State of Play always is kind of hit or miss in terms of whether or not it has a lot of games for our site's coverage. Uh, this, this one had a handful of them. Plus a few others that I just kind of coincided and released this week. So in no particular order here, this is just the order that I found the news articles on our website, um, is that the first one I have listed here is from the State of Play. This is for the um, Team Ninja game, Rise of the Ronin. And we got a uh, game overview trailer for this game, which is again releasing in the packed period of quarter one of this year over on March 22nd. So same day uh, as Dragon's Dogma 2. Yep. And I'll just say it all right. We also got a new trailer for Dragon's Dogma 2, also gameplay focused. But for, for Rise of the Ronin, uh, this trailer kind of has two sections of it for gameplay. 
the very first section for it is the one that I think is most interesting. It shows like 19th century Yokohama, which of course I associate with like a dragon now. Um, uh, so I'm like, that's not Yokohama. Where's the Ferris wheel? Uh, things like that. And, and it shows kind of like, so I've seen a few people compare this game to, cause it's team ninja. So with like, well long is kind of like the natural comparison point in some respects, but however, this is um, historical fiction. So as far as I can tell, really no fantasy elements if they are very very low fantasy elements uh so that's the one key difference there but also on a gameplay perspective for the very first part of this trailer it shows like a pretty well realized like explorable city space including like you know the usual things where you can like mark landmarks on your map about what you've explored in the city and things like that in yokohama so that was something that is I, I, i guess also like just to contextualize this as well uh, they described this as a, uh, described it as an open world action RPG. Uh, so that's unlike Wolong and Neo before it, which were both stage based. Yeah, they are very arcadey in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one game that I've not played that I don't know if it's a point of comparison is like Ghost of Tsushima. Is that an open mm-hmm. world? Yes, that's an open. Yeah, that's and that's that's not from that's not from Team Ninja. That's from no, Sucker uh, Punch. Sucker Punch, yes. So from a, from a Western studio. So there's a bit of differences there, but yeah. And, but then the second half of this trailer does go into the combat, which does look a little bit more Neo-ish. Well, long-ish. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. A little bit, a little bit Sekiro in there too. Yeah. Uh, obviously Sekiro being from software's mm-hmm. um, game from 2019 before pandemic, <laughs> pre-pandemic time forever ago. Uh, but yeah. And the, uh, a lot of the same kind of souls like uh, aspects are here in terms of like, uh, differentiated health and stamina meters. There's a part where the player character like yoinks a mook off of a tower towards him with a grappling hook. Yeah, this grappling There's hook a... seems to be a really cool thing because, like you know, we, we've seen it before in the trailer too. The, the traversal, like they like you don't climb buildings. Like you're able to like get up onto buildings, but you don't actually climb them like how you would like say the Infamous or like a Spider Man. Well, actually, it's more like mm-hmm. Spider Man. More like it's not like Infamous or something. Where instead of like doing it by hand or like an Assassin's Creed, you like there's like grapple points on top of like buildings, uh, where you can just like instantly get up on top on top of them, and that's that's doubly used as a tool to like kind of sneak up on people and like pull them towards you to gain initiative, which is really cool. But also like in this traversal section, like you can also use it as like kind of like a daisy chain in between like your hang gliding too, as you're like. So like you can pop out like a hang glider when you're like in in midair, and then obviously you you don't have, you can't maintain uh, altitude uh, indefinitely because you're just gliding, so you're gradually going down. But you can use like your your grappling hook mid flight on a glider to maintain momentum to stay in flight, which is really fucking bizarre when you see it. it's like this is like this is probably not how physics works, but okay, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Roll of cool. Yep, that's the rule of cool right there. <laughs> so and yeah, so I just wanted to like mention that's like yeah, this 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 grappling hook seems to be a very central feature in this game. I'm always down for grappling hooks. If you can ha- if you have a cool grappling hook in your game, I'm like twenty percent more interested in it automatically. Yeah, and this this trailer feels like the first time that we got real like proper information yeah. for the game out. So, so it's like. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for this. Uh man, I I need to <laughs> I know, I, I feel you. That's that's why I was like, I, I, I'm gonna review it so I can get so I can do this, then play Dragon's Dogma 2. Yeah. 
Okay, so so we're basically the inverse of each other. Yes. It's like, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, but the, and then um, I, I, I don't know if you noticed it, Brian, but there's like some sort of like Sekiro-esque like parry like rhythm, parry rhythm. Un- 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 unfortunately, Sekiro is my, my one like from mm-hmm. software. Oh, okay. Like, gap. Yeah. Uh, the Dark so, yeah. Souls played Elden Ring. Yeah, there's like a certain like uh, certain sequences, like uh, like uh, I guess one of like the the closest thing to like a fantasy esque uh, enemy that you face in this game is like there's like this like very tall, ragged man with like like iron dual iron claws, but like his like his his the way that he attacks you is like some of the more rapid enemies you might see in, like Neo, like almost like a <laughs> so. So as he's like uh, attacking, you see like your player character in this game like kind of parrying multiple strikes, and then actually decides to like jump up to and does like a mid-air parry to get the enemy off balance. I'm like, that's really fucking cool, <laughs> right there. That's uh, that's interesting. Um, it's like he just fucking swatted it like a, a fly. Yeah, and, and like in the face-off with this enemy too, he like he, he seamlessly switches to like uh, between a sword and a spear mid combo, depending on the situation and like what certain points of the attack string as well. So that's actually like really really cool. Where like you're playing around with like different types of weapons and from different ranges, like in the middle of combat, instantly switching between them. And but also since it's like set during the Bakumatsu period. In Japan, so you start having like Western influence. Uh, over in Japan, you have firearms. Uh, in uh, Rise of the Ronin, so one of the firearms they displayed was this fire pipe, and sure enough, it's a fucking flamethrower straight up <laughs> in this game. And you're like, all right, sure, I guess that's how great. Um, and 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 one of the really cool things that they showed off is like uh, bayonets, for example. Uh, since they have a blade, the, yeah. Uh, they they uh, it's a, it's a fusion between uh, melee and ranged as well since it has a blade uh, at the end of its like uh, muz- uh, muzzle, so you can use that as a melee weapon. And then like once you have them like off guard, you can just like f- fire off your bayonet like as a finisher, for example. Um, so that's a really really cool like system to mess around with. I'll really blend those two different fighting styles together. It's like oh okay, so I think this is. It's a really, it was a really good like first real showing of gameplay for this. It was really effective. Yeah, it feels a little like almost. I don't, I want to say late in the day, but it's like oh, here's our first like real extended look at this. Plus, it's coming out in a little over a month, sort of yeah. thing. <laughs> and the fact that it is like low fantasy, no fantasy, mm-hmm. uh, helps differentiate it from like if it was like a more like Neo, which is like fantasy, uh, boring states Japan or. Um, uh, well, long, which is fantasy, like Three Kingdoms Three Kingdom, China. Yeah. yeah, I would have been like, ah, I've I, I've had my fill, but it's like, no, this is different. And because I guess if you've also played, I guess you're people who are like fans of like this 17th, uh, 18th, 19th century, uh, you know, Eastern Hemisphere. If you played, uh, either Sekiro or Ghost of Tsushima, or <laughs> this is gonna sound really silly, like like a dragon is Shin. Mm-hmm, I guess mm-hmm. it's kind of like a similar contemporary yeah. there. But like you know what, because because this isn't like quite overlapping with those other Team Ninja properties, it makes me kind of more excited about it. I will probably still wait though for a PC release, and also because of you know um, Dragon's Dogma. Yeah, I think that's really it's a really tough that like both of these have to like wrestle with each other because they both look mm-hmm. fucking fantastic. 
So, and then sure. speaking of changing weapons on the fly depending on the situation, I felt like almost <laughs> interrupting you, like uh, mid chat when you were describing that for uh, for uh, um, Lies of the Ronin releasing also in March, and also we got a trailer for it is Dragon's Dogma Two, and we got a trailer. Uh, was this Adam? Was this shown at the state of at the state of play or was yes? This, uh, yes. Okay, just wanted to make sure because this one is not, of course, um, Sony exclusive. It's coming out on PC and Xbox as well. Uh, so I wanted to just double check. And mm. this date, uh, without introduction before the uh, press release accompanying the trailer released, this is a a, a two minute gameplay trailer for Dragon's Dogma Two that's had a few other showings uh, over the last couple months. But in this in this gameplay trailer, the the key thing that they showed is that they showed a an arisen character fighting multiple beasts changing vocation on the fly going from casting spells to immediately pulling out a bow to pulling out two daggers hot swapping between job classes and it's like wait you can do that and what this is later described as as this is a um role that is unique for the arisen can't be assigned to a pawn called the wayfarer vocation wayfarer wayfarer vocation warfare, warfare not wayfarer warfarer there I can I can read warfare vocation, which is a unique vocation that can only be used by the arisen that allows them to use abilities and mix and match different vocations together so that they can change weapon types, ability types on the fly as shown in the trailer. However, they did uh, clearly um, delineate that you don't have to pick this as an arisen uh, playable character because the drawback for the versatility is is that they um they're they're their basic stats in some way are kind of diminished or capped in exchange for the uh, versatility. So it's exactly how that's going to come out in game balance isn't clear, but that's the design trade-off is that you can choose the warfarers. I feel a bit silly that I said wayfarer, warfarer vocation. Uh, but at the extent, uh, you, it's jack of jack of all trades. Yeah, master of jack of all trades. yeah that, right. there's also the weight management to consider as well, because it's like, you know, when you think about the original Dragon's Dogma, you always have to worry about like how much weight you had on you. Um, so obviously, with Warfarers, since you're going to be juggling between different vocations, they'll naturally have more equipment to be geared up for both of those uh, vocations it'll swap between, so it has to worry about its uh, weight management much more than like other committed um, vocations as well. You have to really pick your battles. So it's a really interesting... Um, vocation and action in that trailer so it's very very yeah. flashy yeah i will say one thing though quite a few people i saw online were confused and thought there wasn't a separate vocation but just something you could do to swap yeah, between yeah. vocations it wasn't the most clear thing it, it makes me think that maybe they uh they messed up by not having a system like that <laughs> if people were excited about something that turned out to not be in the game I mean, it'll be in the game, but they have to pick those vocations to do it. It's not a, it's not a universal mechanic, so people are still able to do that. But they, you know, it's just it, it's well, still offered you, in the game. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's not a. So I, I, I'm wondering because, like, I, I wonder what, what other things they have left to show for this game because it seems like they've been. They, it's one of those weird things where they they've been showing a lot, but yet really not much as well, which is, I guess, a, a good thing to be, especially for a game like Dragon's Dogma too. Yeah, I've um, seen a few people that have been like, this game looks too similar to the first, which it's not, but I can see why if you haven't been like reading stuff like super closely and you've been just watching the trailers, why you might think that. Mm-hmm, yeah. 
I've also seen people say like, hell yeah, it's similar to the first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Too. Yeah. I mean, the uh, bit them. Adam, remind me, um, there is no avenue for changing location on the original game. It's set and it's set and then you can progress it. You can tear it up. But can you can you change it? You can change. Remember. You can change. You can change. OK, it's been too many years for me. So you can always dip your toes into the warfare location. Um, I'm assuming that you can also change it. Uh, if it, you, you could in the first game, I'm thinking you could do it in the, in the sequel. But yeah, I don't envy them having to do like the balancing act. They don't want to be this just like, okay, this this is clearly the best option because it gives you all these tools. Just I really I, I really hope that like, you know, the, the, that that drawback is apparent because because the, I think this is going to be a hard balancing act of just like making this like a vocation way too good uh, as well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, making it very too good or, you know, shortchanging it so much where it's like it's useless. If you want to play as those other vocations, just play as the other vocation. So I don't right. envy them for their yeah, for the balancing acts. So hopefully, I mean, so hopefully they thread that needle pretty well. It's a pretty, it's a pretty risky decision for them to design this this kind of vocation. Instead of mm -hmm. like making this into a vocation instead of a universal mechanics, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays in action. But yeah, we have the two trailers for Rise of the Ronin and Dragon's Dogma 2 up on the site from the I think, I think that, play. Uh, I think I do want, uh, want to like just briefly mention this Dragon's Plague thing that they uh, mentioned as well. It's it's still kind of under wraps, but I, I love the concept behind it because it's basically this Dragon's Plague disease they've described as like, uh, it's exclusive to pawns, so it can't affect the Arisen. And it's also something that can travel between worlds. So... Basically, if you recruit a pawn online, someone else's pawn online that has this Dragon's Plague disease, it can potentially infect your own uh, pawn. But, like, the effects of it are weird because they describe it as, like, a disease that'll make pawns more, like, I guess obnoxious. Like, it'll exhibit bolder speech and behavior. But once it reaches its terminal stage, they don't, they don't ex explicitly tell us what happens to your pawn or a pawn. Uh, once this dragon slate reaches its terminal um, stage, but I think it's really such a cool concept uh, of like something that could like be like something that can travel to other people's games, something that you really have no control o over except like oh, I recruited someone who had dragons like oops, <laughs> and then seeing what, what will happen there, then and there. That's a really cool way to like interconnect like pod selection in that in your game. They added Pokerus like, to Dragon's like, Dogma too. I was gonna say that I'm like, it's like the Pokerus. What? Okay, what's that? Nope. I have no idea what what that is. What's Can you up? Take it. It's uh, so Pokerus is uh, a um, it's a uh, it's a mechanic in Pokemon, which uh, I believe the way it works is that if a Pokemon has Pokerus, it increases the rate that it gains. Effort values, yeah, that's, that's my understanding yeah. as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. I don't huh. know. I don't know if it's still incur. I never had a Pokemon with Pokerus, but yeah, it was like whenever I would look at this is like Game Boy Advance DS era. Like, yeah, if you get Pokerus, that's it's a good disease because you double your how you gain effort values, and it like tr like if you trade or you put it in a box, it can like transmit or something. I never actually interfaced with it myself, but the way you described it for the pawns, it popped in my head too, James. So like <laughs> Pokerus. Oh, so the, the thing that makes me interested about this is like, is there like a specific thing that they, like you find out in your game that like accidentally infects your your pawn at first? The dragon's face, so they become quote unquote case zero. And then once people start 
recruiting them I, online unknowingly and because like a domino effect i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised because one of the other things that's come out recently is that sphinx that's in a bunch of the trailers so there is a vocation locked behind completing her riddle oh. you get one chance at it oh one my God. chance and if Holy you mess it up then you do not get access to it well good luck james you're gonna do that you're gonna guide it for us so i never have to mess it up well here's the good thing I'm playing on PC, so... Uh... <laughs> yeah, this guy's going to alter his save file if anything goes wrong. Yep, good. Relying on cloud saves. Because apparently this game only had like one single save slot, so... Good luck. No, I, I forgot to mention, you know, this is the first time I, I had to play with multiple save for Persona Free Reload. It had 15 <laughs> save slots. That seems rough for the amount of guide work it wants. Uh, it could be so if someone tried to ask me, it's like, hey, do you have a file from that day? It's like, uh, good luck. I originally pushed this down more towards the release date section, but it coincided with another trailer at the state of play. So I'll just talk about it here. Uh, and we also kind of mentioned it on the podcast earlier. So Stellar Blade, this is the PlayStation 5 exclusive that is being developed by Shift Up that Sony is not publishing, but is like platforming, is my understanding. Uh, we'll be releasing for PlayStation 5 on April 26th. And alongside that, uh, we got a new trailer, pretty pretty lengthy gameplay overview, detailing the game, also revealing the release date. The first thing yeah. that I watched this trailer is like, yep, this is a Korean-made game. It's like that glossy. It has a very very distinct aesthetic, like like you know you've seen in other hey. like Korean main games, you know, you know MMOs. Nah, I've I've played Magna Carta too. Uh huh. So, like I think it has the same artist. Same so, artist. Yeah. Was Liza yeah. P glossy? Maybe in places. Maybe I don't know. I can't speak. I didn't play Lies of P. <laughs> but I, I, yeah. I, I think I, I think that does like it. Is, that is definitely a derivative of, of like it's not. It's not really aesthetically. You wouldn't be able to classify it as creative. Yeah, game I, game I will game say game the game looks great. Uh, the only thing is, is that like I'm not sure if I really want to get into it. But it's just like uh, reading up about like some of the stuff going on in the like Korean game industry. It's like ooh. It's a yeah, bit of it's, a... it's kind of like the, the definitely it's a certain type of culture, which is you know obviously not not. Great. Oh man, you should see the stuff they've been doing. Genshin's crazy. They've been trying to boycott like the Polyverse just because they hated try- this woman. Yeah, basically so, they've been trying to pull the same shit that they've pulled with a bunch of Korean companies that has worked, like with uh like with, with uh like Project Moon and whatnot, and like even like uh the like. The uh, company that's uh, developing uh, Stellar uh, Blade is one of them that's been kind of uh, that's uh, fallen to it, but it's like that only seems to work with Korean companies themselves. So they've been trying to basically get uh, someone fired, and because uh, Genshin, Imp- like since Holyverse is not a Korean company and culturally doesn't have that same, like doesn't like just like bend the knee, they've been getting frustrated because it's like, God damn it. <laughs> Which yeah. is, uh, it's not funny, but it's like, it, it, it's a bit bleak. It's a bit bleak. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm not well versed in that situation. Only hope for the, for the best of things to shake out. You know, it's obviously every, there's a certain type of culture, like, you know, in different regions of the world. So, you know, it's, and sometimes it's not, it's not, it's not great, especially like a, from like a Western outlook as well. It's like, obviously, it's like unacceptable. Aspects, right 
So yeah. it's it's hard, it's hard to really we can only we can only sit here from like the other side of the world and looking looking in as outsiders. Yep. Um, it's 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 hard because like a company that does and says all the right things then just let goes of a percentage of their employees without you know without notice versus companies that have like these tactics so, that come out after the yeah. fact and it's it's you don't know the timeline of events and you, you know what uh, but it's also the west the, the, the west also lets go of uh, people too that have noticed as well especially. well that's what i, I yeah. when i said yeah. that i was yeah. thinking of riot yeah. games like yeah. so yeah and exactly. microsoft just did a bunch too so, so it's so it's, 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 it's not it's kind of like it's kind of like a weird state like the west is it like that much better yeah some aspects too so mm-hmm. So that's bearing in mind as well. Turn, but, turns out that these things that are, you know, uh, not not to like pull out Karl Marx, but just like mm-hmm. the in the endless pursuit of exponentially growing profits, and you know, but that's the that's your bottom dollar. Literally, makes you behave in crappy ways in multiple different avenues. Yeah. So, yep. I, so I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really like hold it against you because, like, you know, it's kind of like a universal problem. Um, yeah yeah uh all, all around the world unfortunately yeah. it's so it sucks that we say yeah it's a universal problem and like yeah it yeah. Is. yeah yeah it, yeah, it I, 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 yeah i don't I, and i want to be clear i'm not trying to tell anyone not to support this or anything i just want to bring it up because i do have like yeah. a mutual on twitter who is yeah. like like korean and has made a point yeah. to talk about what's going on over there and it's like i think it's it, very eye-opening yeah, yeah it's very yeah. eye-opening yeah yeah learning more about this from getting more perspectives you know it's it's nice to like kind of just like know about it. Um, so like with this Stellar Blade, obviously, it, it's been a, quite a while since we last heard of this game. Like the last like real big showing that they had was back in a September twenty twenty two state of play, um, where they we actually learned that like you know this was originally um, titled Project Eve. It's been in development for a long time, so that's when it got the the name changed to Stellar Blade, um, two years ago. Um, so now they're they're finally ready to show. Like, you know, how, what does this game look like in action? I always appreciate when a trailer actually shows the player UI and what the player does in action in normal gameplay. And that's what this... Um, no, no, no. You hide the UI, you uh-huh. slow down the frame rate, you uh-huh. pull apart the camera, and you CGI make it as cinematic trailer. as possible. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At that point, just to get rid of the gameplay, <laughs> just, you know, outsource yeah, some uh, CGI. Cra- 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 crazy fucking take, I know, of like just uh, wanting to see what the player sees. I totally agree with you. I, was, <laughs> I, I think the uh, fun- funnest thing about that trailer was seeing the moment where it's like you unlocked the double jump. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's all we play games about double jump these days. We go back to single jump. Ugh. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that, that they showed us a little bit of the premise, and obviously when this first this game is first revealed, it is very very near automata inspired. You cannot like look at this and be like, yeah, they weren't inspired in near automata. Of course, you know. So you're pl- so you're kind of the humanity is on its edge. You're kind of playing this. I don't know if she's a android. I forgot if she's an android. Uh, this Eve, um, protagonist. But you're fighting this extraterrestrial threat, kind of like aliens, um, and you have like a this, this safe haven where you can mm-hmm. kind of do all your stuff of like gearing up, talking to NPCs, uh, and so forth. But the the gameplay itself, the gameplay itself is interesting because like it's not like su- as super fluid or uh, motion wise as Nier Automata. I'd say it's more along the lines of maybe a Code Vein or maybe even like a more of a. It's not not that's not as slow as Souls, but it's not as fast as Near Automata. 
So I try to find a good balance of like, huh? Somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. Yeah. I'm actually yeah. kind of looking forward to the story, surprisingly, because I, mm. I played Nikkei, which is okay. supposed to be the same developer, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And that story intro is actually very good. I just don't mm. really enjoy the gameplay of it because, right. you know, that's for me. But the story is actually uh, kind of capturing me for the gotcha game for, for mm-hmm. that, for what little I've played so far. So yeah. I'm actually kind of looking forward to where the story's headed. Yeah, and I'm really interested to see like how the you're interested in the story. Like I'm interested like how the gameplay progression works because they showed you know uh, a skill tree uh, in this game, so you can learn different moves for the character. And I'm really surprised also like they showed off like how uh, customizable like the character's appearance is. Like instead of just like entirely new outfits where she does has, you can also like alter her hairstyle like completely as well, which is interesting. And it's like that's reflected in cutscenes as well. So I just I just didn't expect that. Um, but the, other than that, you know, we didn't really learn too, too much of like, obviously what, like, what the entire game is going to be, um, which I, I respect the restraint. Um, and you know, there's cooking in it, um, for like consumable items and yeah, I mean, we kind of just kind of got like a first glimpse of like, Hey, there's a gameplay. It's going to have intense boss battles. There's kind of, you know, but the, I, I'm interested in like, there's not. I don't think it's stage based because like the the first zone that they show is like a semi open world like the des- desert area. But I don't know exactly how seamless um, this game will be if it's actually a true open world or if it's going to be like, hey, it's like each zone you visit will be like it'll be huge like an open world. But when you actually it's time to travel back to home base, it's going to be maybe a more menu driven thing. I wonder. And it is coming out the same day, or not not the same day, the day after Saga Emerald Beyond, which we also got a trailer for. Uh, was this was this trailer also from the state of play? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Wait, so I'm, 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 no, no, no. The no, reason why I asked, Saga wasn't on the state of play. No. So, yeah, Saga oh, was. Okay. Stellar Blade was. I, I've, yeah. Okay. I got, yeah. No, no, thank you for clarifying. Because yeah, I'm pulling up all of our RPG site news posts for these, so I see all the trailers. I'm just trying to remember, like, where did it, like, did it, where did it come from exactly? Like, when or what platform was it shown on? Because sometimes it literally is just, oh, they just uploaded it to their YouTube. There it is. Sometimes oh, it's a I, newsletter. I, I, sometimes it's a state of play. I didn't realize, but the Stellar Blade is like it's actually going to be a full seventy dollar title. So it's it's. I mean, be... looking at it, it seems like it has the budget for it at least. Yeah, I just, I, I, I yeah. So we'll see. Like, hopefully, like you get a, a good amount of like game out of. It. Mm-hmm. so because i kind of jumped the gun we do also have a trailer for also for a game coming out in late april for saga emerald beyond this trailer mm-hmm. is focusing on one of the selectable protagonist options this is the duo protagonist option of bonnie and formina which is uh like two uh two adult ladies one that's wearing like a like a western cowgirl outfit and one wearing like a um eastern hijab outfit and it's really kind of like an interesting pairing for them and we, the trailer also gives a, a little bit of um english or japanese depending on which one you you watch uh, voice acting for the two characters which is kind of fun uh other than that the trailer is pretty short and surface level it shows a little bit of story interaction which is kind of got the same presentation that saga scarlet grace did it has a little bit of a uh, battle um showcase in it as well though i didn't like pause and stop the 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 game the the footage to see like what sort of abilities they're doing but it's mostly just kind of giving you the flavor of these two characters um remind me adam it's there's kind of four selectable main characters but this is like a pair that come you know two for one so it's five total 
I think I have that right. I, forget, I think it's it's either that or five selections with six characters. I forget. Because there's yeah, like the normal the dude, there's the vampire dude, there's the robot singer, there's these two. I don't think I'm missing anyone. So maybe, yeah, it's four selections of five characters. Because these two are apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also like the coinciding with this trailer release, there's like a, well, I, I guess they're gonna do this like uh, moving forward because they did it with the same uh, the same thing that past two protagonists where there's a character trailer, then they like kind of stealthily upload like a big character, uh, or press packet that kind of dives does a deep dive on like what you saw, so like co- coinciding with this, they kind of you know give up the the premise of their stories, but you know they give like amusing details like, uh. Co- Part of their story is going to be um, incorporating like this mysterious group of cats, and there's three cats, and their names are Purr, Meow, and Hiss, which is mm. great. And they're so they're going to be party Classic members. Classic saga. Yep. Um, there's also like uh, a few party members. They showed off like two of them are like one is like a gold tank with like a real gun off of it, and the other is like an existential crisis, almost like Spider Bot, where like its name is BX10 EX. But the EX part is like, uh, is like, the, to give tribute to like, uh, 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 the, the the professor, um, who like built it, and like the EX is meant to show that like I've achieved self-driven evolution, so that's why they just put it on them. Um, two of these party members that they showed off was called, they're called Byaku and Irithia, and they're part of the ephemeral 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 race, Ugh. and they're like they look like blob looking creatures and they come from this world of cosmos it's called cosmos it's like a it's a, meant to be like a more a bio, biologic microcosm. is it cosmos or cosmos i don't know uh, that's cosmos is just how yeah, pronounced uh, in yeah, the saga yeah yeah you're right i don't know if they can pronounce it cosmos or cosmos here fuck um and then the ephemeral race and so a part of like emerald beyond is like there's different races and the way they progress and like do battle and how they you progress them as party members is all different. So with this ephemeral race, they kind of grow and mature in combat the more battles they go. So their stats increase as they grow older, but their maximum LP, their life points, I guess, uh, decreases. So once they run out of LP, they'll be reborn again, and they'll pass down their techs and spells to the next generation. So you can have, like, so later generations will have more techs and spells that can be inherited. So they kind of, like, compound and have a snowball effect in it. So, and you know they show, and then they show off more like weapon types, like guns, and more in the martial arts uh, style as well. This so. definitely feels like kind of a mix between uh, Charlotte Grace, bit of Saga Frontier, and even like classic Game Boy stuff. So it's kind of like kinda, all the it, different Saga elements. It's a really, really. They're really. It feels like they're really going all out on the gameplay systems here to really make each everything feel unique. And, and play around with this timeline based system. It's, it feels very fleshed out. It's it's very you can tell that they're putting their all into it. Like it's I'm super pumped. Yeah. This is excellent. Yeah, thank you for detailing out like what came out after the trailer in like a newsletter dump post that talks about how uh a little bit more about those characters and how they uh interact with the game systems, which is basically saga to a T. A few other trailers here uh, that just came out throughout the week. One of them is for the upcoming scheduled for some point this fall Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 uh, was recently revealed. It 
changed hands from Hardsuit Labs over to the Chinese Room, which again is a British developer. And we got a gameplay trailer for this game, which kind of showcases two things. Uh, it showcases a little bit of combat gameplay in like a warehouse where the character is like fighting like possessed mannequins, as well as an example of a dialogue interaction. And the thing is, as someone who is, I, w- I don't know if I would say I'm a fan of the first game. I've played through it once and I thought it was really interesting. And then when this, when they said, we're going to follow up on this with the original team and have a sequel made, I was like, oh, that's pretty damn neat. But now we have just like, it changed hands. It's in a completely new, in new studio now that's not really known for making this sort of game. And the fact now, I forget if this was announced earlier, but I didn't, it didn't like cement for me until recently, is that now we have a voiced protagonist in the game. Which kind of just like in a vacuum, it's not a bad thing inherently, but it just wasn't what I was expecting. It's like this game is a voice protagonist now, and I'm like, oh, like I, why? That's, <laughs> that's, really, that's, that, that's a really tricky thing because I don't like you know if you're trying to like make a game that'll like like satisfy like people who played the original. Like I don't think like I think a vo- having a voice protagonist is something that, like actively detracts from like what people appreciated from the first game. In a weird way. Well, we've had we've we've had similar conversations with like Fallout yeah. Four having a voice protagonist, yeah. and they, you know they they went they they went back from that with um with Starfield and things like that. So it's just having a first person perspective game with a voice protagonist is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that it makes me think less of Vampire the Masquerade and more like Dishonored or Prey. Prey is the one that really comes to mind. Oh, yeah, Only with yeah. setting, yeah. of course. Where it's, it feels more immersive semi, which maybe for the developer of the Chinese room is um, what they're going for, yeah. Kind of what they're going for. So it's like, oh, okay. So And I and I enjoyed Prey a lot because the, the Chinese room did like Dear Esther and Amnesia, Machine for Pigs. Um, so like it could be an okay game, but it just like at that point is it is it still Bloodlines two? And you could honestly like, well, of course it is. That's what they're that's what they're marketing it as. Well, you know? The title is so obviously that's what that is, that, that is what the title is. But you know, like, is it a sequel to the first game in spirit? And that's yeah, kind yeah. of like a one of the one of those like. Eh, I don't know. I, I still I still pretty like when I saw this gameplay review, I'm like I'm still pretty mixed on it. I don't know. I feel like I just won't know until like I. Yeah, I guess I don't know yet. Exactly, and I talk about this every single time I talk about Bloodlines or Bloodlines Two. Is the what I really enjoyed about that is the fact that it really was mm. an RPG in terms of like you only got experience or progression through questing, not through yeah. combat or anything. It was like really like you encounter the, these different like nuggets of information or story you know, threads that you would like follow to completion and have an actual say and how they concluded and things like that. Yeah. It's um, like you're, so you're I, I, I say that I say that, but then later in bloodlines in bloodlines, you're like in the sewer, or like chapter five yeah. or like in the ending part of that game, you just like, yeah, it's also like what no one wanted the sequel to focus on. It's also the charm of that, of that game is like, you're like almost playing a blank slate of a character. So yeah, you kind of felt like you, know, they, they, you kind of took ownership of that character. While in Bloodlines 2, it feels like you're playing a more established character that's had like like accomplishments under their belt, like uh, like during the character interactions, like oh they call you like the Slayer, like you are you're gonna have somewhat of a rep- reputation in this game, mm-hmm. which I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that yet. And then also, I I haven't followed like what are the playable races here? There's no, 
Uh, Nosferatu, no. There's no Nightmare. Uh, whatever that. Banu, Hakim, and Ventru. Ventru. Yeah. I mean, the, the ones I picked are good, but like no Malkavians and no Nosferatu is kind of like like those are those are pretty like I feel like people that are even outside of like Vampire the Masquerade can name those clans or yeah. at least like be aware of them. Like those are pretty big omissions, but you know the obviously development constraints. They can't just have everything. They have to make cuts at some point. So so I kind of have like one. On that. I have one concern and one takeaway. I guess the concern is okay. like I don't mind if this game. I guess the concern is no one really praises the original game due to its like combat. And we mentioned that. So like, I'm hoping even if the combat isn't like excellent, that may not matter if the writing and the characters and all that are all very good. Um, But hopefully they don't like, hopefully the game is not like chock full of mediocre combat in that case. Cause the original wasn't the originals combat isn't very good, but there's also like not a lot of it. The most of it's in that sewer level, which is why it's the worst one. Um, so like, I'm curious and concerned about like the combat and how much of it there is. But my, my, my main takeaway from this trailer is actually, Oh, this looks like a game that will actually plausibly exist at one point yes that's because that's, everything yeah, up to now true. is like a lot of concept art yeah, exactly. and it's just like yeah. do we even have a game here like okay so we actually do have a game that will plausibly I remember, release it. i remember before this trailer like the the last thing they sent to us i don't think we published like it was like a description of the gameplay or something oh yeah they had like a blog post they called yeah. it like so when they when people say they have dev diaries i assume they're videos because usually they're videos these days but sometimes they're text but they had like a dev diary on the combat and it was just like text and concept art. And it was just sort of weird. <laughs> like uh, we're, we're explaining what we want the combat to be like before this trailer. So that's why that's my takeaway as low bar as it is, is, oh, we actually do have gameplay footage here that looks real that we will be able to play at some point. But yeah, I don't have high hopes. I don't want to be too negative. But the history of this development has not been ideal, like far. Yeah, back, I so. mean, it's it's like it's like they have an uphill battle, and I don't, you know, it, it, it they're they're t- you know, good luck to them, you know. Hopefully, hopefully, this turns out to be a success and it's enjoyable and everyone is satisfied. That obviously that is the ideal takeaway, and I think it's going to be it's going to be very hard to achieve that, and you know, we can we we only will know until like it comes. Yeah. I remember even when this was first, when I, f- I think it wasn't the same announcement when they ta- when they introduced that it was being handed over to the Chinese room. They said, yeah, and it's coming out next year in 2024. Like, whoa, like it just seems like it's got a really truncated because as far as I can tell, nothing from the original Heart 2 Labs version, at least seemingly made its way forward. It's It seems like it's cause kind of like was scrapped and rebuilt. The, maybe some concepts or ideas made its way forward. But yeah, maybe a lot of this is just also an outcome of having a um, truncated development cycle. But like Adam said, it does look like a game that could potentially exist. <laughs> That's the bar. Uh, a lot of the other trailers here, uh, we'll maybe go through a little bit more quickly because uh, a couple of these we've discussed in a few different contexts. Like for instance, we have yet another trailer for the upcoming Banishers Ghosts of New Eden. Uh, last year, uh, last year, last week, we talked about a story trailer that I actually said was actually pretty interesting. Uh, this week, 
uh, we got a kind of a more focused, um, they call it a gameplay trailer. And by gameplay, there's a little section of like RPG mechanics and then a lot on combat and uh, skills and abilities between the two protagonists. So a little bit more of a deep dive. Um, but then this game is coming out in a little over a week. So they're getting a lot of eyeballs on it at the very least. So the trailer dump marketing is working. And we'll be able to talk about this game uh, when it comes out in a couple weeks. The other games that we got uh, trailers for in the last week is we got one for Earthlock 2. Uh, Adam, you might need to help team me up on this one. So this game was originally revealed like pre-pandemic or early pandemic in 2020 and then kind of went dark. And then they've kind of re-revealed it uh, in the last week with kind of a new cinematic trailer, kind of like a new identity for the game. Yeah, something like that. I really don't know anything about these games other than I think the developer is Swedish. That's all I know. Well, the only th I did watch the trailer. It's a cinematic trailer, so you take it or leave it in terms of how much it actually shows you. What it reminds me of is um, Biomutant, because it seems to star like a bipedal, humanoidish, or anthropomorphic, I mean, rodent <laughs> character. So that's what, that's what I took away from the cinematic trailer. And then the, uh, the last trailer that we got this week that we're covering here on this podcast is a new trailer for yet another February release. This is the Thaumaturge, which is a um, uh, isometric CRPG being released in later in the month. And this trailer is a pretty lengthy one that looks at both uh, basically questing in general in terms of like the isometric perspective, exploration and encountering quests. It, it goes into like a like a more Baldur's Gate-ish third person perspective when um, interacting with NPCs. You see a little bit of the skill tree here. And also a few little snippets of combat as well. So it's kind of like a gameplay overview trailer. They call it a quest trailer, but it's covering kind of a yeah. lot of ground. It's, it's, it's pretty much as close to a vertical slice as you can get in a trailer. Like, here's some combat, here's a questing, mm -hmm. here's some dialogue. By the way, quick correction, Snowcastle Games is from Norway, not Sweden. I think oh, that's like the other to get those, uh, those oh, yeah. Scandinavian countries mixed up. Sorry. But yeah, well, you, I mean, you it, 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 it also just feeds into it. Like, it's not it's not just like the Japanese developed uh, RPGs that are, you know, are, are dominating February. There's also these like small, like smaller Western releases. Well, Vanishers um, is French. Mm -hmm. uh, this game yeah. is uh, Domiturge is Polish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's like you know, even though you have like well-known titles like FF Seven and Persona, uh, and even Grand Blue, like releasing this month, you have like you know, still still gonna be a, it's still a busy month also from like Western studios. Yeah, Star, I don't Star think it's on. Two. Yeah, it's not on the podcast sheet. I don't think, but like uh, Shirin Six came out in Japan last week, and it is doing incredible over there. Apparently, right. so it's like, man, that's that's good to see. Means that uh, that series is uh, alive again for real. <laughs> That'll be out. What? What? Also, like late late February as well in the West, right? Yeah, twenty seventh. FF seven. Two days before, mm. but yeah. We have a couple uh, updates here. Uh, one is a sales update. One is a patch update. Uh, here's a kind of a patch update that I guess we were expecting, but I didn't know when it would drop. Uh, remember when the Pixel Remasters originally released on only Steam and mobile? We were wondering when the um, uh, console versions of the game would eventually release, and they, they did about a year later. And those console versions had a new font option, which was kind of strangely the headliner, but also had kind of this, the standard Square Enix re-release kind of cheats and trainers and in-game assist options well 
Uh, Square Enix basically just announced this week that the original Steam and mobile versions of the Final Fantasy Pixel remasters have had those updates that were incorporated to the console versions backported into the Steam and mobile versions. So basically, now you can play the Pixel remasters on Steam with all the new font and game assist options. Uh, so parity between all versions of that collection. So, good. They also added controller support for the mobile version. Hell yeah. Uh, for those who play with controllers on mobile versions. Play with I'm my surprised that wasn't there yet. Yeah, I thought yeah. I had assumed that was already there. Did you, see that that, uh, did you see that that uh, Death Stranding like uh, limited edition backbone came out? The piss controller is real. Oh, girl. really? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. That's funny. The other update that we have is a sales update for a game we talked about not too long ago. Uh, like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth has sold 1 million total units within its first week of sales. It is the fastest selling entry in the franchise based on Steam counts. It's by far the highest like consecutive player base in the franchise. Uh, it is doing really well. It is setting a, a high bar. I don't think it's matched the total sale. Like I believe like a Dra- Yakuza Like a Dragon had a lifetime sales of about 1.8 million last i saw so infinite wealth hasn't caught that yet but it's paced it probably to, will yeah it will surpass yeah it like will. almost certainly will it's got a higher concurrent it's the fastest out of the gate uh long story short the game is doing incredibly well um, that's great you know it's, it's a it's a fantastic game so I, I, th- I think like everyone who's like played it like that i've heard like are just enjoying themselves i'm just having a great time you know they've really rest and like you know, it's it's such a good game. Such a good game. That does remind me, I forget what shop it was, but there was some shop, uh, Matsumoto's Shave Ice, I believe, uh-huh. in Hawaii that is uh, represented in Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. And apparently, if you go to their website, you can uh, like get, like, there's a real site in Hawaii that has that has, like, merch specific oh, really? for oh. like uh for that that is like because i guess they must they must have been approached to have their likeness in the game and not just yeah there's a, there, the yeah, yes, yeah the the infinite wealth or the rgd studio like i think uh social media account like uh, we're uh, talking about the collaborations that had like with real um shops and like Here, i'll throw the link Hawaii. i'll throw the link in the chat but yeah you yeah. can go you can go to matsumoto shaped ice's like company website and get like 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 a dragon swag that's awesome around there yeah yeah, yeah their, their collaborations with, like numerous like, hawaiian com- like uh, companies based in hawaii like like uh, they, it was pretty extensive like it was really cool to see like them like promoting like hey we've actually like you know been out and partnered with these companies awesome and uh, yeah selling one million copies and doing very well very cool all right and as always we'll close out the podcast with kind of a rundown of upcoming dates uh, the first one is something that we kind of probably could have brought up sooner, but we didn't. Uh, so after the state of play that was in the last week that we talked about all the games that we've kind of already covered, uh, Sony did specify that there will be a state of play specifically dedicated to Final Fantasy VII Rebirth set for February 6th, which is only a few days from now. So if you're listening to this podcast, this might have already aired. Of course, that is a major release coming out at the end of the month on I, February 29th. I imagine to all the like... I've, release some sort of demo for rebirth like like the they did for remake yeah it seems like that is the expectation is that Mm -hmm. likely will coincide with a demo of some sort not confirmed but kind of very expected Mm -hmm. 
we have another indie game that's coming out uh, in just a couple of days in February. This is a retro-style detective RPG, Pixel Noir. Adam, help me out here. I saw you mention this. Okay, I so I saw it. we got a press release for this, and it was coming out of Early Access, and it's just like a tiny little game that's got like 20 reviews over the last couple of years. And I was like, you know what? I can throw them a bone. I can give them some coverage. And I'm like, there's no way we've covered this on the, on the site before, have we? This little tiny indie game? And turns out we have, about a decade ago, when it first went to Kickstarter, um, and it failed. It had a second Kickstarter that succeeded, then several years of release, several years of early access, and now it's finally getting a full release. Yeah, wow. it's like a pixel art, noir, turn-based RPG. I don't really know anything else about it. But... Well, uh, that, that's pretty cool, though. It was, uh, it was Kickstarted back, you know, a decade ago. It went into early access, it looks like, in like 2019. So it's been in early access for five years and now is releasing out of early access for, uh, for that developer. So that's a cool success story. And, and, and coming out, be available. Getting it to the finish line, you know, that's, that's tough. So that's yes, good. Yes. Yeah. So, many, so many efforts don't even make it that far. And again, the, the name of that uh, available on Steam is Pixel Noir. Yeah. So okay, check we, it out. Uh, like every Kickstarter I backed all like failed and you're just kind of like, oh man, what did I do wrong? Uh, also in February, another PC release. This is uh, one that also we weren't expecting, but the Dragon Quest Builders, the first one, will be releasing on Steam on February 13th. And when this, that... uh, when I... <laughs> I... I just say, I don't think anyone had this on their bingo card for 2024. <laughs> But keep thinking, when like, I, shouldn't this be out already that's like in my head and you're like oh wait yeah, uh, yeah. when i when i saw this headline i was like wasn't it already on steam I'm like oh it's the dragon quest builders 2 made its way to steam but not the first one yeah uh, adam if you're free uh this our side card on the site doesn't have pc release you should add it all right i'll do it right now what am, why, why am i telling adam to do it i'll do it on our little yeah. side card we put all the platforms that it's on i'm gonna blame put whoever PC. posted this news oh, so. their fault <laughs> uh, I'll leave. I'll, I'll leave them anonymous. Mm. I'll, 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 I'll add it. But yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, coming out on PC, and that's always kind of cool. Uh, kind of help for a preservation standpoint and all this good reasons. Yep. It's also cool because like they're they're also adding in like the quality of life life enhancements that uh, were introduced in the 2022 uh, mobile version, which actually yeah. like, um that like I checked out that version a little. I was like, oh man, like that that's actually pretty pretty awesome that like they get like one of the big big like quality of life improvements is this big bash that allows you to. Like destroy like uh like multiple objects within a certain range like simultaneously, which is really important for Dragon Quest Builders games to have. Just to yeah, but yeah. So it's, uh, and then there's also like more. Um, there's also like also a really interesting feature that I forgot they added in the 2022 uh version mobile version where like Dragon unlike unlike Dragon Quest Builders two, Dragon Quest Builders has no online co-op play, which is introduced in Dragon Quest Builders two. But there's a there's a way for you to convert your buildings into build cards so you can display your buildings in other people's or your friends' world. And that's like your online interaction with them. It's like, here's my creation in your game. <laughs> like, okay. Cool. Yeah, and and they're adding that to the PC version? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Also, not dated yet, but sometime in February, uh, a game that will not die. We're getting yet another update to Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. It's sixth DLC called Goku's Next Journey, which will focus on the story where Goku finds and trains Oob at the very end of Dragon Ball Z. 
And as of right now, this is the last DLC that's announced for Kakarot. But based on Xenoverse 2, I don't know how much I trust them because apparently that game still gets regular updates. Uh, but yeah, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot has been well supported throughout the years. And it's seemingly last DLC will be coming out before the end of the month. Look, man, if there's one, th- if there's one fucking thing about Dragon Ball games you can uh, expect, they're going to be fucking supported for years. Yeah. Like, and then with uh, Sparking Zero coming out, holy shit! Like that. You see the, the I, that's funny. Where it's like about? we have announced yeah. the first twenty-four characters, and it's Goku and Vegeta. Yep. <laughs> Hell yeah, guys! Yeah, so, Goku Mid is back. Yes, let's go. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So that's so that's uh, the series that was previously localized as Budokai Tenkaichi, which I guess, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that kind of means like tournament, tournament. Like it's it's kind of like a weird like English like it doesn't really make a lot of sense but that's the way it was really like localized. It sounds cool, you know, rule of cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, Master so, Roshi. Uh, you know, the last name is Teacher, <laughs> Master yeah. Teacher. What? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so this is the same series, uh, but they're using uh, a more kind of true. They're, they're using they're, they're using the that the, the actual Japanese name because in Jap- yeah, Japan, exactly. it's actually it's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And yeah. and that one mm. apparently has like a grid of like 164 characters, but each form has a spot on it. So it's like Goku early, Goku mid, Goku late, Super Saiyan one, two, and it's like, oh, okay. So, uh, so people are like, no, my boy Apul won't won't, have, won't be home. There's not gonna, he's gonna be crowded out by all the Saiyan forms. But, but yeah, I'm I'm excited about that one. Not... With the far with the shotgun, please. Was he in Tenkaichi? Is it Tenkaichi three, the one that had the crazy, stupid roster? Yes, I mean, one of those. Yeah, two games like a lot, like a, the the current roster size right now, I think is like either on par or or surpasses just a bit of the Tenkaichi three, like in terms of like quantity alone. So I I actually had a conversation with Adam because uh, I actually played a lot of these like mm-hmm. schlocky, fun, fan servicey games. Uh, yeah. You know, in the PS two through early PS. I think I was t- I was having difficulty remembering them all because there's like Budokai. This is a complete tangent, but I'm going to indulge it. Uh, Budokai one two three, Tenkaichi one two three. There was Infinite World, which was like Budokai, Budokai 4, four and all but yeah. name. Uh, then there was Burst Reading Limit, Blast. which was the first. Oh, right, Burst yeah, Bur- yeah, Burst Limit was like the first HD one, but apparently it was really hard to make, so it only went to the Cell Saga and was never followed up on. I remember. Oh, yeah, was- I forgot about. It. I did play Burst Limit. Yeah, yeah. And then there was Raging Blast and Raging Blast 2. I forgot that that game had a sequel. <laughs> then there was Xenoverse, Xenoverse 2, and then Fighter Fighters was the kind of like the one where like, all right, let's give this to an actual like different yeah, developer. Fighter is actually doing. a fighting game, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, let's, yeah. Let's, let's give this to a veteran. And then I, I remember there, there was also one that was like, I, I think it was developed by Arxis 2 that was like on, on a handheld. I forgot it was like 3DS or DS. It was, like 3DS. it was 3ds yeah it, it had this weird thing because that like it has this re- weird cool gimmick where arxis also developed like a one piece fighting game on that platform and you, you can, can actually, like, and you could you have multiplayer against them yeah i remember yeah. that yeah you can link them it's like that was really really fascinating it's like you, so it's like it's a ostensibly a dragon ball dragon ball one piece crossover fighting game but it's like spread between two two dedicated fighting games that can link together that was crazy <laughs> like what the fuck Anyways, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, the one yeah. that's actually an RPG that we'll cover, <laughs> is, getting, is getting a DLC by the end of February, focusing on Oob. 
uh, let's see, in March, we're getting the launch of Gen Forge 2, which is a PC CRPG. I don't know much about it. Remaster. Yeah, so this is like a there's this is like a series of indie CRPGs. Um, they have like a couple of these Gene Forge games and like Avernum series. I've heard of these. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about them otherwise. And this is like actually like a remaster of two, which came out originally in two thousand and three. But yeah, it's like these indie CRPGs. So we're bringing back the classics like Gene Forge Two and Fate Stay Night. Yep. Yep. We have. Sorry, scrolling. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so we already covered Stellar Blade coming out in April. Sometime in summer, we're getting the Western release for Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus, coming to Nintendo Switch. This is the version of the game that was remastered and released for PC and PS4 back in like 2017. And then last year, it was ported to Switch in Japan. So I guess we were expecting at some point around this time, we would get the localized version of the Switch port for this game. Uh, and yeah, we got it from um, from Axis Games. It'll be releasing on Switch in the West at some point this summer. The, the interesting thing about this is like it's getting a revamped English localization. So they're actually um, kind of relocalizing the game or like doing some touch-ups to its localization for this new release. For, uh, for those that have played the English version, like, does that seem merited? Or, like, yeah, was, it was. Is, is this it wasn't terrible, but it was kind of rough. It had a lot of like that person said that incident, in which is probably like accurate, but it's kind of clunky when translated and other things like that. So, it, I think a editing pass is welcome. Mm-hmm. And then at some point this year during the state of play, uh, Zenless Zone Zero was confirmed to also be releasing for PlayStation 5. This is one of those things where I'm like, oh, I just assumed it was already announced for PlayStation 5. I think it's normal, but I don't really looking forward to it. I think one of the reasons Genshin, like, I think it's the fact that it was like the original Genshin Impact it was basically like highlighted very heavily on like PlayStation's blog and YouTube channel and all that. I think that's one reason why, not the only reason, but like it got the attention it, you know, has now is because it was basically being supported by a platform holder really, really strongly. So I was sort of surprised, like, oh, I guess Endless wasn't on PlayStation. And they make a lot of revenue on that platform too. Like a lot of like Genshin players like are on PlayStation. They put a lot of money into that game on that. Yeah, the game is making bank for Sony. So, so. They're more than they're more than happy. They're like, yes, continue to fucking be on PlayStation. <laughs> I, I think I think that's like a, kind of like one of the one of the key omissions of like the like uh, on Microsoft's end of like not having these games on. Uh, when do you think we'll ever see that Genshin Switch port? <laughs> no. Uh, hmm. <laughs> I bet you around the HoYoverse office is like uh, the the what version? Who? Who? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> man, I who knows at this point, man. And that's our last headline for this week. So yeah, obviously a very busy week. I know a lot of us here and hopefully, or maybe not hopefully, but expectedly a lot of our listeners are either still playing through Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, which is not a short game, which only just released a few weeks ago. Uh obviously Persona mm-hmm. 3 reload. It, yeah, just in the last couple of days, 
uh, and then Grand Blue Fantasy Relink having seemingly a lot of excitement and staying power that just released a couple days ago. And February is not going to slow down. Like like Josh said, th- those were kind of a lot, a lot from outside Japan. But now we have uh, France and uh, was it what was it? It well, wasn't Sweden. Norway. It was Norway. Norway. Yeah. Uh, oh. Putting uh, you know releasing some games in the middle of the in the middle of the month and then Whoa. being capped off by Final Fantasy VII Rebirth at the end of the month. Go ahead, Adam. Then that Earthlock game isn't dated. That's from Norway. There's the Polish game, Thaumaturge. Yes. Oh, Polish. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah, Thaumaturge is Polish. Yeah. Okay. Adam, Earth, Adam, Adam and I are in the underrepresented uh, February 2024 RPG Alliance. Uh, same. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And James, too. Sure. <laughs> yeah, Sheeran also this month. So it'll be a crazy month going forward. Very clear where we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about. So we might revisit some of the games we talked about this week, next week, as people get a little bit further into those. And then obviously, we have a lot of new games to talk about within for the next several weeks going into like going into the spring and summer, basically. So, uh, you know, hit that, hit that subscribe on our podcast on whatever service that you listen to us through and uh, stay tuned. Cause we're going to be covering a lot of games very quickly. It's going to be a good think, time. Are there, are there any new releases in this upcoming week? This upcoming week, I think is the one, unless we have any embargoes that are separate from the release dates, which is rarer and rarer these days. Because in the next seven days, we don't quite hit Banishers or Builders PC or Thaumaturge. So unless any of those embargoes, I haven't double-checked all of them. We, the next week might be like revisiting some of the other games as the obviously very long titles going. Like I might be able to have a chance to go into Persona 3 Reload or going into post-game on Relink. As far as RPGs go, the only game releasing next week is Pixel Noir. Hey, go ahead and give that a try. Maybe we'll talk about Pixel Noir. But yeah. Um, so thank you so much for listening. You can find all the reviews that we talked about on our website at rpgsite.net. Again, like we said at the top of the podcast, um, several people, uh, Chow primarily, as well as many others, have been writing a lot of primers, guides, listicles, things like that for those games. You should also check out Chow's guide for Relink up on NeoSeeker um, under Zolius. So that is a very cool guide in progress that he's put a ton of work into. So go check it out. I heard he bet half his soul to uh, to write that guide. That's the word on the streets. It's it's tough. (laughs) You are are a champion, Chow. And then you can follow RPG site on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Search for RPG site. You should be able to find us. You can join our Discord, discord discord.gg slash RPG site. You can hit the link at the top of our homepage to get there. Lots of people talking about Relink recently. Uh, and stay tuned and come back next week for another episode of the TetraCast. Until you hear from us next time, stay safe, take care. We'll talk to you all later.